This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Hello, one and all, and welcome to another fantastic edition of Galactic Peace Coalition Podcast. My name is Zach Arnold, and I am so excited to have you join us on this program. It is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really crazy because we're starting a little bit later in the evening than we usually do. I'll take the fall for that. If you listen to the pre-show on Mixler, you'll understand why. If not, then uh, maybe go check it out. But to those of you who are listening through the power of Podbean and iTunes and Google Play, welcome. We've got a top five episode for you tonight, and it's going to be a doozy. It's literally one that we have been talking about since the very first episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition all the way back in 2014. We're finally getting around to it, and we're going to be doing it right. And I'll explain all that in just a little bit, but... I got to bring in my co-host and my good buddy. It's Mr. Ben Hart. How are you tonight, man? Oh, I am doing phenomenal. I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad to be doing another top five and a very special one indeed. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. I think all those of you who already know what's coming and you've, you've answered the question, I think you guys send in a lot of great suggestions and great top fives, and we can't wait to get into each and every one of them. Oh, man, it's going to be awesome. But um, one of the cool things about our top five episodes is that they are actually sponsored episodes. Mm -hmm. We have a patron program in place here at IPC. That's a lot of peas. I'm just going to throw in some peanut butter and pistachios for good measure. If you go to patron.podbean.com slash IPC podcast, you can see a full list of all our different patron options. The top one is a $5 a month contribution, gives you a sponsorship of top five episodes. You get an exclusive chat with the other top five sponsors, and we just get together and collaborate on what these top five episodes should be. And we try and do them every four to six weeks if we can. We're a little behind on the time, so we're going to make this one count like big time. It's going to really, really count. And to help us do that is one of our top five sponsors and one of our good friends. He's been on the program a lot. But he also contributes to the show financially, which we are grateful for. It's Mr. Jake Damon. What's up, guys? How's it going? Dude, thank you for taking time out of your evening tonight to help us bring about an episode that is literally four years in the making. I'm very, very excited for this episode. Mm -hmm. Me too. I'm I I love I love what we're gonna talk about. It's been a little bit since I've been on the IPC, but I'm I'm glad I'm coming back on this one that you you picked a you picked a heck of an episode to be on and like ben alluded to if you saw the prompt on social media then you know what we're talking about if you only caught this episode or you're only catching it after the fact we are discussing our top five john williams scores and i mean if you if you have heard anything by john williams you know what a fantastic composer he is probably I, I dare say the best composer of our generation. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that that's an exaggeration. I mean, you look at great composers from great eras. I, I would put him as the 20th, 21st century equivalent to the likes of, of Mozart and Verdi and Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. Like his stuff is going to stand the test of time the same way that those greats have. I truly, truly believe that. And so for us to have the opportunity to give him just a little bit of a tribute, just one rinky dink podcast, a rinky dink episode talking about some of his greatest musical works. I'm just thrilled beyond belief that we get to give him credit where credit is due beyond just saying, Oh, Hey, you know, we watched this movie and part of this movie was the John Williams score. No, 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 no. We are just talking about some of his greatest works And we get to hear your thoughts on what his greatest works are. And we got a lot of submissions and we got a lot of input. And it's really going to make for a fantastic episode. I'm so excited. Oh, it is. It's 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 just so exciting. And we finally we finally got here. We love John Williams. How many movies have we talked about on this podcast that featured John Williams music? I have no idea. And how many others were inspired by John Williams? Like yeah. he really has like inspired an entire generation and it really gives like, even like you don't like, I'm not necessarily a orchestral music connoisseur. I'm not a classical music type guy, but I love John Williams music. And by default, I love other film scores that I'm sure he helped inspire or maybe stuff that inspired him to create stuff because he has his own influence as well. If you go back, and I mean, just I mean, you, you can't it cannot be overstated the 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 sheer like impact John Williams has had on the world cannot be overstated. And I think a lot of you guys in the audience completely understand this based on your responses to this top five. Oh, yeah. I, I would also like to add real quick that I about four months ago had a an amazing opportunity to go with my friend Gary, uh, Gary Buck, um, to see John Williams play live at, in wow. uh, Philadelphia. And, you know, it's like a once in a lifetime experience oh, type thing. He, he had some tickets with him, uh, my friend Gary, and he's like, hey, I'm looking for a friend to go. And he thought of me because, you know, I'm like the the Star Wars guy in, in our in our friend group. And and uh, it was it was amazing, man. He played a bunch of stuff, a few things I had never heard of before, um, but were still beautiful. And then he ended with uh, some Harry Potter stuff and some Star Wars stuff. A few a few of the songs, the last two weren't planned. It was uh, Leia's theme, the oh. love theme. Mm-hmm. And I think the last one was the Imperial March and it was just amazing. It brought the house down. Jeez. I've yeah. mentioned more than once on this show how I went to a not John Williams was there, but it was a John Williams concert for his music. Right. And it was it just like I I'm serious. Like it probably is like up there in like maybe top twenty moments in my life. Like oh, for it's sure. just so amazing. And just hearing you you know this music by heart, not just by watching the movies, but like I loved listening to the soundtrack by themselves and mm-hmm. getting into them and hearing a live orchestra just do it. And I'm sure like hearing John Williams conduct that orchestra is absolutely amazing and yeah. you know because just... I, I i've i've heard them 
obviously, you know, as recording so many times, but there's just something so different about seeing something live and hearing live music that gives it like even more soul and heart. And, uh, and it's really quite something. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Oh, well, that's a great way to kick it off. But before we dive too deeper into this, uh, this world of John Williams, we do have a couple of orders of business. The first one is something that's not even on the show notes. It's something that I decided to do because I'm hella spontaneous sometimes. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you guys are, you guys are laughing it up because you have no clue what's about to happen. Nope. Um, it, it's not anything super serious. It's not anything super bad. I, I just wanted to generate a little live engagement. So I thought up a, a cool way to do it. And uh, it helps me with my, uh, decision making because i'm terrible at making quick decisions like this um obviously so uh if you go to our twitter at ipc podcast you will find a poll has just been posted at the conclusion of tonight's episode i will be watching some horrible movie oh something no. absolutely horrendous and terrible and unrated because the movie rating companies don't even dare touch this piece of crap <laughs> oh wow i'm looking at this now so oh, these, wow. these options are amazing <laughs> selections include the snow creature horrors of spider island mega shark versus giant octopus and the movie <laughs> simply titled mega piranha <laughs> and yes I do own all of these movies on DVD. Oh, Thank no. you, Walmart. The $5, so, the $5 shelf and the $377 bin are two of my favorite places to go crawling around in the world. So go to IPC Podcast on Twitter and help me decide what terrible movie I'm going to live tweet on the IPC Twitter page when we're done with this episode. I, We've already got a couple of votes for Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, it's, uh, yeah, it's leading by a solid hundred percent. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be making my decision based on the cover art alone. So I'm googling those right now. You're googling the cover arts of each <laughs> one. Okay. Um. Well, uh, Mega Piranha is actually pretty impressive. It, it's got like these giant piranhas eating a battleship, I believe. Oh, um, okay. Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. There's a Mega shark out uh off the coast of san francisco that has jumped out of the water and grabbed an airplane out of the air <laughs> by its jaws while it is wrapped in the tendrils of a giant octopus wow so that one is uh is is pretty pretty terrible let me see the snow creature has a has a picture of a giant oversized gorilla that they're describing as a yeti and uh, there's a whole bunch of tanks surrounding it because it's loose in Los Angeles. <laughs> Somebody had the giant had, had the great idea of I uh, hate when uh, that happens uh, of of setting loose uh, a creature in the middle of nowhere. And then what do we got? Horrors of Spider Island. So this one I don't have any cover art for it, just a description. It says after a plane crash, an American dance troupe of bombshell babes is cast away on a deserted island where they discover a lone dead man caught in a huge spider web. Ooh. Ooh so ominous. Basically, a bunch of thoughts have to get out of a web. <laughs> like, that's... that's essentially, Capital T-H-O-T. That's, that's essentially what this movie is. So, yeah, go cast oh your my. vote. 
So I'm I'm looking at these right now, and Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus top two right now because that just looks fantastic. But that Mega Piranha, man, if I'm looking at the right one, there's a plane sticking out of the water, like almost as if it's gasping for breath, and a ginormous piranha chomping a a aircraft carrier in half. Like the the size of this thing is unbelievable. So I'm, I might go for it's, Mega Piranha. It says Paul Logan. Tiffany and Barry Williams at the top. Oh, maybe I'm looking at the wrong one. I don't know. Uh, I mean that 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 sounds. That oh, sounds I see, crazy. I see, I see. It was a different one, but the same picture. Yeah, yeah. That is uh, that is the correct movie, my friend. Ooh. All right, I'm casting my okay, vote. Okay, right apparently now. Mega Shark has has gone up against a lot of different foes. Yes, Mega Shark. Mega Shark has several opponents. Somewhere in the depths of the internet, there is Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark, and that was the option that I was gonna put on because I thought I had that in my collection. But apparently, that was a Netflix movie that has since been taken down, so I can't list that as an option. Um, (laughs) But I really want to see Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark because essentially, there's a giant shark off the coast of some bay. I think it's on the east coast, and science's best option to combat this thing is to create a giant ass shark that ends up fighting it (laughs) (laughs) i I just love the idea that this is in fact a franchise like somebody said okay let's make a second (laughs) and a fifth one like sharknado (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly mega shark versus crocosaurus (laughs) come on yes oh i want to see crocosaurus too see that's the thing i've got all these terrible movies at my disposal here's some of the other movies that i've got beneath loch ness i've got thirty thousand leagues under the sea i've got one that's simply titled piranha they're hungry for human prey (laughs) and then here's another one that i couldn't fit into the poll on twitter otherwise i would have added it um, it's it's called Attack of the Giant Leeches. <laughs> that happened to me. Sign me up. The, Sign me the, up. Yeah. So yeah. I've also got the She Beast, House of Mystery, Juggernaut, Curse of the Wolf, Blood Predator, and my favorite that I didn't add to this because I'm guaranteed to watch it, but I have to watch it with my family. It stars Eric Estrada, and it's called. Chupacabra versus the Alamo. Oh my. It says when murder victims are discovered with every drop of blood siphoned from their bodies, Eric Estrada must take on a deadly pack of chupacabras loose in the Texas desert. (laughs) Oh, wait, Curse of the Wolf. Okay, so if I'm not mistaken, Curse of the Wolf is directed by Len Kabazinski. He is a frequent guest on Red Letter Media's uh, best of the worst i think um and i reached out to him because he's making a new movie and i reached out to him on twitter uh i don't know a couple months ago and i don't think i'll ever get this or it won't ever happen but i was like hey man if you ever need graphic design work done like for you know movie covers whatever let me know and he's like all right i'll let you know if i need something (laughs) and uh and i'm sure he's just being nice but that's hilarious that's i just i I want to do a poster for a terrible movie (laughs) yeah i mean so i've got let me see i think i've got like 9 10 15 terrible movies that i just live right there and none of that includes the movie zombies (laughs) wow every bad movie pack needs zombies you you've got to have zombies in there somewhere i've got zombies but if i had put that on the list then 
I would have just been going back and watching that horrendous movie for a third time. And I really don't know if I need to subject myself to that. <laughs> Could be. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if you are interested in finding out what the winner was, just go to our Twitter page at IPC podcast and look for the live tweets. It'll be there. If you're listening after the fact, if you're listening live, then go cast your vote at IPC podcast and tell me if I need to watch mega shark versus giant octopus, mega piranha, the snow creature or horrors of spider Island. Uh, that's the first order of business. Second order of business is the news. There's been a lot of news that's happened recently. And yeah. uh, some of the, some of the biggest ones uh, involve some of our favorite superheroes. There's been a lot of different rumors and announcements and information being floated about surrounding Henry Cavill mm. now, to the extent that he's kind of become almost like an internet meme, at least on Twitter. Like people make a ton of jokes about Henry Cavill on Twitter. And uh, I, I fell victim to it myself, but there's just been a lot of talk about if there really are contract negotiations, do they need to break off those negotiations? If there aren't, then why are people so upset? So I just want to start by getting you guys' thoughts. These reports that Henry Cavill is is not returning as Superman, do those reports encourage you or discourage you about the situation of Superman and the DCEU as a whole? Jake? Um, to be honest, like, you know, in a kind of a weird way, you know, of course, I, I care about Henry Cavill and I care about his his uh career um and superman is is uh you know the role of a lifetime really um but i it 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 makes me kind of happy because you know i haven't been a big fan of these movies as a whole you know there's an okay one every now and then but but as a whole i i would rather see something new that's built from the ground up and if if the first step to that is is Henry Cavill exiting, uh, you know, possibly followed by others, you know, I, I know we're getting Aquaman. I know we're getting Shazam, but you know, who's to say what's coming after, uh, if that's, if these are the first steps towards, towards restarting something from the ground up, but doing it better then I, I think this is probably a good thing in my eyes. Ben. Yeah. I'm, I mean, who's to say right now, what's true and what's not, because you have, the Hollywood reporter coming out earlier this week saying that he's out, that he's, he's gone as, as Superman. And then Henry Cavill himself, who is very active online posts to his Instagram. He's like, you know, this very cryptic video of him holding a Superman action figure. That's great. It's like, what does that mean? Like it, you could take it any way. And there's been a lot of talk. Like, is it true? Is it not? I think TMZ also posted a report saying it was completely BS and that he was still Superman. Um, as far as my take on it, like I like when I first heard this news, I'm like, R.I.P. DCEU. Like, I think he's mm-hmm. done. And I, you know, that all depends on if he's going. Like, like I have been one with the opinion all along, and I've said it many times on the show, that I believe that DC can still pull this off. They can still keep this going, that they don't have to be defined by these first few films that people haven't been totally connecting with. They can do some good stuff. Shazam looks great. Aquaman looks great. Like Wonder Woman was great. Like they've done some good stuff and they can continue to do that. But when you're talking about like your main 
character, when some of your main characters here that the, they're defining characters, the first character we ever saw, Superman. Like he's freaking Superman. Like he's pretty important, mm-hmm. and Henry Cavill absolutely embodies that character, regardless of how you think that character was written or whatever throughout this thing, how his stories have been, I think, you know, Henry Cavill has brought his A game and he's really been kind of the heart and soul of this universe. So going forward, like, of course, there's been a lot of talk about Ben Affleck too. Like, let's be honest here. Ben Affleck has been kind of on the rocks. He's currently, I believe, I mean, I, in all seriousness, like feel kind of bad for him. He's, he's in rehab right now. Like he's dealing Mm -hmm. with some stuff on the thing and we, wish him the best hopefully he can come back and do batman again but like all that's considered like he still may not come back just for the sake of he doesn't want to come back so and, here's oh yeah go ahead go ahead, go ahead no no please well with if if they're going to continue on with the dcu uh just hypothetically if you get rid of your bruce wayne and your uh Clark Kent um, and recast them and just continue on like nothing happened. Do you think that is something that an audience would respond negatively to? Cause that's a pretty big change up. I know, See, I know recasting has been done before in things like you have Rhodey and Iron Man and stuff, but that's right. more of a minor role. These are two of like the main three. Like my opinion is like you can, you can change Batman. I feel like you can change Batman. That's part of his character. Mm-hmm. And part of his character in this universe is that he's an old grizzled Batman and you could write in the story that he just retires and somebody else, you get a new actor to come in and, you know, you have, you know, you know, Dick Grayson or some other Batman come up and take on the role. You could mm-hmm. do that. Superman. There's only one Kal-El. I mean, you know, how do you get around that? Unless they want to bring in the flash and do a whole flashpoint thing where, you know, then you then you bring in as people have suggested Michael B. Jordan as as another version of Superman. Like it could happen, but I think what's strong point about this is that you have those three. And I would say the same. I think Batman is kind of interchangeable. Whereas I would say the same if Gal Gadot walked away or Henry Cavill. I feel like those characters, those actors, are anchors for this universe. If right. You lose them, you got issues. You've got major issues. Not saying you can't recast them but i think like look at the mcu people love tony stark but they also love robert Downey jr they love chris evans they love these actors behind them and they've been there for so long there is this you know there is this sense of community with them and i think you lose a lot when you lose henry cavill hopefully it's not true right yeah exactly i say recast him with army hammer he was great as the lone ranger I liked the Lone Ranger. I thought it was a little bit too long, but I th- I think that movie didn't get give enough credit, uh, get enough credit. Uh, I really liked Army Hammer in that role. That was the first time I ever saw him in anything. And anytime anybody's mentioned him as uh, being Batman, I, I've really liked the idea. I I'm I'm for it. Um, but I I think I, I don't I don't remember which of you two said it. I think if that happens, uh, they just need to take the DCEU in another direction. If you're going a different direction with the casting, then you need to go a different direction with the storytelling and the the cohesive story that you're trying to tell. I mean, I'm not saying take a page specifically from um from from the MCU, but I think they need to come up with a bigger overarching story than 
what they did with Steppenwolf on Justice League, for example. <laughs> like nobody knew who Steppenwolf was, nobody cared, and nobody <laughs> nobody really showed a whole lot of interest in seeing Steppenwolf the villain. So I, I know who he is now, and I don't care. <laughs> right, like the exposition just wasn't there, and it really hasn't been there for a lot of the DCEU movies. So. If you do end up going a different direction and you do end up with, you know, different cast members that are in starring roles, like I think you need to recast Deadshot as much as I like Will Smith. I think you need a different Deadshot. So there's just things out there in the DCEU that need to be a little bit different. And if they do that at the top, then they need to do it at the bottom as well with their storytelling and their um, their their scene selection. and um and just just a lot of things need some adjustments and here's one point that somebody made and this is the last point i'll make before we get on to our next piece of news there wasn't anything save for aquaman set to be released this year from the dceu and aquaman was released is going to be released in december they've literally had all of 2018 to try and work on things and make it better mm maybe Shazam is the first step in that. Maybe the new Wonder Woman movie is the second step in all that. Or maybe things are just careening out of control. I guess time will tell. I I will say, especially with the Shazam trailer, but even the Aquaman trailer, it seems like they're leaning more towards adding more humor to things. And that, that is a good sign to me because that's a lot of the reason I think the the Marvel cinematic universe plays so well amongst audiences is because there's humor in it and it makes people feel good when they're watching it. Um, as opposed to depressed uh, with a lot of the past DCU movies. So maybe that'll make a difference. Yeah. Well, sorry, Ben, go ahead. No, no, please. I I was going to be transitioning out. So if you've got any final thoughts, please. I was just I was just filling dead air. So please go. Continue. <laughs> uh, Jake, you just recently brought this to our attention. Uh, what what is what is your source for this? Was it announced on Twitter? Was it announced on on TV? How did, uh, how did you man. how did you come how did you come to find out about I'm this seeing, little? I'm I've seeing at MCU underscore tweets on Twitter is saying official Disney has uh. confirmed that actress Brie Larson will be appearing on Good Morning America this Tuesday. For Captain Marvel, during which she will reveal the first trailer. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty excited. So you're um, talking pretty... eight ninety eight eight to nine a.m. Eastern on uh, on Tuesday. We're getting the trailer finally. We just got. We talked about last week. Well, well, you guys weren't here, but I was here with Dominic. Talked about the uh, the nice pictures we got from Captain Marvel. We're getting the yeah. trailer. Yeah, nice. Yep. And the the digitally youngified Samuel L. Jackson, which was pretty cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think they digitally youngified him. I think that's just how Sam Jackson looked. He doesn't. No, mean. they they specifically said that they used enhancement tools to make him look younger. They lie. They lie. <laughs> you can kind of tell just with the side by side. I can. See. I, yeah, it's it's a little hard to tell, but you can you can see like some of the wrinkles are gone and stuff like that. And he he does look a little bit uh, bigger, um, but it, I feel like he looks pretty similar. He looks like a heavier version of himself from Jurassic Park. Yeah, he kind of does. Now that you mention it, he he does look a lot like Mr. Arnold from 
Jurassic Park. Yeah, he's hold on to your butts. I, I, I'm guessing that's where they kind of modeled him after. Is mm -hmm. the uh, is the uh, you know that that '90s era? Yeah, they 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 talked a lot about how uh, they you know there was plenty of of material for them to use to model his his face, and I'm sure that was a big one. Totally. Well, I'm excited. Whether it's Tuesday or later this week or next week, the stuff that we got from Entertainment Weekly was definitely enough of a tease to make me very very interested in uh, in whatever kind of teaser they're going to do uh, for for the small screen. Uh, it's, it's definitely it's like, here's the, here's the weird thing. This is news about Henry Cavill. You know, we're getting some, some unconfirmed, unverified reports that maybe we're getting a trailer from an MCU movie. And that blows up the internet a bit more than all of this Henry Cavill DCEU stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that's just the nature of the beast. And it's so it's so weird. Like that paradigm, we could spend an entire episode just looking at the, at the, the paradigm shifts that happen when news about the DCEU comes out compared to news from the MCU. It's striking. Yeah. Well, uh, what's your guys' excitement level for Captain Marvel? Because I'm, I'm pr pretty stoked about it. Uh, I mean, based on the things that I've heard and considering she's supposed to be considered the strongest Avenger that we've seen so far, like even stronger than Thor, even stronger than Hulk, even stronger than whoever. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I don't know a whole lot about Captain Marvel. I've only seen Brie Larson in a few things. So for this to kind of be her thing that, that she's pretty much making a name for herself with uh, my, my level's probably like an eight out of 10 and all I've seen are pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, that's probably like, it's near the top of the list for me. Like, because I've actually like, you know, unlike other things like episode nine and stuff like that, like, I don't like, I have something for, them. we're going to have a trailer and, you know, I'm just still, I'm still riding the hype train from infinity war. So I'm like totally on board for anything Marvel and, you know, Avengers four. And of course that's going to play directly into Avengers four with Marvel. I'm psyched. Yeah. I, every time I see the, the picture of the scrolls, I, I keep thinking about what a perfect way to bring in the green goblin. And I, you know, I think I've, you've heard my theory on that, but you know, if, if whoever, whichever mysterious company was buying Stark tower in Spider-Man homecoming turns out to be Oscorp and they're setting up a whole Norman Osborn storyline, then, you know, all they have to do is make him experiment with that scroll DNA. And that's how he ends up looking like the green goblin that's i love that yeah Dude, i mean it's I it's it's way better that. than the lizard helmet he on his hovercraft back in 2001 or whatever Ooh, it was. i don't i don't know how anybody liked that one but, and uh, because, and, yeah and because like you it's established in this universe we, we assume that the scrolls came in the 90s like they've been around for a long time yeah yeah so like but, it would make sense yeah, that, that maybe, even though we've never seen them before like they've been around that that suit from the Raimi movie, the first one, I I really like the Spider Man movie. It has its own charm, you know. I'm blinded by nostalgia a lot of times, but it it it's fun. I do think that Willem Dafoe was amazing as as Norman Osborn. Like his face alone, you just paint it green and he looks like the Green Goblin. But I think that that whole costume thing was such a mistake. It just looks so stupid. It's, I I just actually just recently watched that movie. It's. It's so great, but yet it's uh, definitely <laughs> it's so cheesy. 
it's definitely a product of its time. Like there's no denying it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's very like, but it, I mean, it broke ground as far as like, it definitely led to like the MCU, but yeah, you know, yeah. still, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's out there. It's crazy. Especially green goblin. He is. That's uh yeah. He's one of my favorite Marvel villains. Just period. Like I, I think the whole Spider-Man roster of villains is amazing. Um, and I would love to see a good, good Green Goblin done. And I can't wait to see Ben Mendelsohn as a scroll. So, Ben Mendo and Mendo doing anything. Mendo, I'm, I'm good with that. Mendo. All right. So, so okay, we got another little MCU tie-in thing here that came out uh, recently. Yes. And uh, it ties in with something that I think you want to talk about, Zach, and I want to talk about it too because I've been watching that thing. But Ooh, yes. So we got a little <laughs> teaser. For Daredevil, for yes. Daredevil season three, yes, third season. Why are you saying that? Yeah, yes, Murdoch, yes. <laughs> Whatever, don't just ignore him. Um, Daredevil season three, we got a little teaser at the end of Iron Fist season two. So they add a little post credit scene. Um, I have not gotten to that because I have not finished Iron Fist season two, but I'm working on that. Um, but uh. It's uh pretty neat. We get, you know, Matt Murdock. I mean, it's classic Daredevil. He's bloody. He's beating, beaten, and he's sitting in a Catholic, uh, you know, the confessional thing. So, uh, you know, classic, classic Matt Murdock. And he's talking about how he, uh, quote, I'd rather die as the devil than live as Matt Murdock. So, uh, I mean, he's he's, he's alive. I mean, we thought he was dead after, um, and nobody thought he was dead after defending. But yeah, he's here, he's back. And uh, what are you guys thinking about this little teaser? I'm not gonna lie, I didn't I didn't watch it. Um, I think I heard a little bit oh, of the audio. Okay, but... good night, Jay. Get off. The <laughs> I'm show. sorry. <laughs> you didn't do your research, Jeez. I didn't get notes. Okay. It's fine. So, Zach, did you? I'm I'm assuming you you saw this. Oh yes, oh yes, very very much so. And here's here's the deal: Daredevil has been the flagship of the Defenders TV series since they came out. Totally. And it, it's been the one that's had the most intricate storylines. It's been the one that's been the most accessible. If if you talk to people about shows, you know they probably have most likely seen Daredevil, maybe seen Jessica Jones, and then it kind of goes down from there. So. Daredevil is the one that's kind of been carrying things and for Matt Murdock to return was almost kind of a given. I mean, who doesn't want to see Charlie Cox kicking ass? And Mm -hmm. so this little, this little teaser at the end of another TV series, I think is a really, really interesting way to get people to watch the other shows. I think that was one of the biggest things was now, I mean, obviously it's on YouTube so people can just watch the clip if they want to. But now people have a reason to watch through every episode of the series because who knows what's going to be popping up. And for this teaser to be in place at the end of Iron Fist season two, I think it was very well done strategically. I think it was enough to kind of reel people in and get them excited. The the cut graphic doesn't have a date. It just says coming soon. So that's even more, you know, ambiguous and supposed to be like thrilling, like, Oh my gosh, he's back. But when we don't know, like people are (laughs) supposed to be super excited about this. And I know that I am. I mean, I've watched every season of everything defenders related so far. 
because uh, I just wrapped mm-hmm. Iron Fist season two a couple of days ago, and I am excited about the future for all of these series. And this kind of inclusion and this kind of a teaser only makes me more excited. Oh, was yeah. was Defenders pretty good? Defenders was solid. It had some solid episodes. Um, considering they were bringing all of those different storylines together and trying to do something that really hadn't been done in television before, mm. it was kind of like a 2012 Avengers equivalent, if you okay. will. Like it, it was, it was I, the best was, part. The... Go ahead. It was to me. It was groundbreaking because of the way they were interweaving all the different storylines and giving everybody decent amount of screen time. Okay. Uh, but it also had like a fairly straightforward story that ended in a fairly predictable fashion. Mm. And so it it kind of had that 2012 Avengers feel where you're like, that was really good, probably the best that we've gotten, but it might get even better. And then the seasons of TV that have come after it, like Jessica Jones season two and Iron Fist season two, Luke Cage season two, it's just further confirming that things are really only going to get better. So Mm. I'm more or less looking forward to series two of the defenders and trying to figure out what great crisis is going to bring them all back together. Yeah. I I feel like the best part about defenders was just seeing all those characters together because Mm -hmm. like, even if you don't like enjoy all those shows, like seeing them interacting, seeing them meeting was great to see. And yeah, so like, you know, yeah, the villains were kind of weak and, you know, it was it was kind of weird in places. But like overall, I'm looking forward to season two. I hope we do get a season two of Defenders and I'm enjoying the other stuff. Like I wasn't too hot. I mean, we talked about it. Not too hot on Jessica Jones season two or season. Yeah, season two. Um, But I enjoyed Luke Cage. I'm enjoying Iron Fist. Like it's they it's not like the best it's not peak mcu or even superhero television to me but it's solid stuff oh and, it's gonna get better what episode are you on oh what episode am i on i'm like three episodes from the end i think oh really okay if you had said three episodes in i was like it gets better honestly i think episodes eight and nine were their best episodes but episode 10 had a really really good tease at the end that uh, made it really, really worth it for me, and that's why I posted that tweet. I'm really look. I'm, I, I said I never thought I would actually say this, but I'm actually looking forward to Iron Fist season three. Nice. So it's I definitely am, upped in quality since I'm season. On, oh, I'm on, I'm on episode night eight. and day compared to season one. Mm-hmm. Night and day compared to season one, in my opinion. Like, like the my biggest problem with season one, it was just like just too much interpersonal stuff and not enough like just iron fist being iron fist and like him lighting up the fist and doing stuff and being like a badass mm. and like every episode he gets to do something really cool that's awesome um, so and, and i'm i've really enjoyed that and there's a lot of great like they've taken stuff from the first season and just amped it up and some of the characters are really really yeah well I, here's here here's the cool thing is there's there's more to the fist like you're learning more about the fist itself you're learning more about danny's backstory which is something that we really lacked all he all we really got from him in season were stories now we're getting flashbacks and those Mm -hmm. are really really well done flashbacks in my opinion 
And so there's more origin story. There's more memories. It feels a little bit more personable. He doesn't feel as distant from the audience as he did in season one. He was so out there and so different that nobody could relate. Right. Mm -hmm. Nobody could really relate to him. And in doing so, it just made things really, really hard to like enjoy the season because you're not enjoying the star or who he is or what he stands for, or what he represents. They totally turned that around in season two. And I don't think he said I'm the immortal Iron Fist once this season, which is <laughs> very refreshing. <laughs> I didn't for- see all of season one, but I, I heard a lot of things about about that. Uh, that was that we had a lot of complaints. If you go back and listen to our review of Iron Fist season one, uh, you'll you'll definitely get some of that vibe. And maybe we'll have an episode that is devoted to season two. I mean, we had episodes devoted to Jessica Jones and Luke Cage season two. But uh, if I if I had to rank them and this is how I'll this is how I'll finish things. I actually went back and and looked at all of our different uh, defenders type uh mcu tv series if i had to rank them by season um iron fist season two is actually my fourth favorite defenders season overall wow uh daredevil season one is my favorite the punisher daredevil season two and then iron fist okay i really liked uh daredevil season two because i thought i haven't seen the punisher yet i need to but i i loved the punisher in season two of daredevil yeah the the punisher series on its own is fantastic and so after iron fist season two we've got uh luke cage season one then the defenders luke cage season two then the two seasons of jessica jones in sequence and then at the very very bottom iron fist season one (laughs) so you you can tell that it, it got a lot more from me this season than uh than, than the previous season did definitely improvement definitely well that's all i'm gonna say about it for now i think i would probably give it like an 8.5 or a 9 out of 10 after these initial impressions but maybe some dissection of the story later on in a future episode will be good uh i will say i liked that it only had 10 episodes mm-hmm. i think if they had done 13 it would have been too much and they would have had a lot of filler this felt more concise and to the point. And I think that helped the development of the story. I think it helped move the, the it helped with the pacing. It helped move the story along very well. Absolutely. It, I think these things benefit from lesser episodes, like just, you know, tightening it up and making sure that it's not running too. Long. Yeah. I it, mean, it, heck, even that I, difference of three up. Ep- Game of Thrones runs on 10 episodes a season and it's one of the best TV shows ever. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've always had 10 episodes or fewer and they get all the story in that they made and tell. And that's all that, that's all that they really need. Well, even though the, like three less episodes to me makes it feel like, like it's more doable to, to binge it over a couple days. Most likely. <laughs> yeah okay well that's it for the thoughts on that and and for the news uh ben i know that you have to go soon but we do have a couple of uh patrons and peacekeepers that uh-huh, are uh-huh. going to be receiving top billing and uh 
I, I feel like you should do the honors of, of mentioning those lists before you have to sign off for the evening. Sure, sure. So, so who, who uh, am I? Who am I? We've, okay, got, I'll, we've got we've got our we've got our patron, Mr. Dan Grievous, who submitted a list to us via Twitter. I yes, believe. Yes, yes. I will get to him right now at Dan Grievous. He's <laughs> in a great list coming in at number five. Anakin's betrayal from Revenge of the Sith. Number four, the main theme from Jurassic Park. Um, number three, we got Duel of the Fates from The Phantom Menace. Number two, Imperial March, the version he says specifically, I love this, I, like, I'm not going to get to go through all these tonight, of course, but I love, like, the people, some of these people are like, yeah, just this and that, and some are, like, very specific. Dan is mm-hmm. very precise. Mm-hmm. And his is Imperial March, the version from the end of Attack of the Clones. That version. <laughs> so he's being very specific there. And then number one, of course, of course, Grievous speaks to Lord Sidious from Revenge of the Sith. So, well, of course. He's Dan Grievous. If he doesn't include that, I question his username. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a great list, Dan. Thank you so much. And thank you for supporting us on uh, on our patron. And uh, sh- do I dare... Do I dare we, do? We we need to, man. He's a he's a member of the Keeper Corps. I know it's early. We usually kind of get to him in the middle of everything, but uh, this is this is another. Well, this, this is another. This is the this is the, this is, the classic segment, eh? The, this is this is also classic, Stephen. By the way, just gotta say. Let, let's gotta... let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, for, without further ado, this is Schindler's List. Schindler's <laughs> List. I should have said. But do whatever. better do better do better don't send me you don't send me your condescending gifs all right <laughs> and i hope i said that wrong just to piss off joey Mays because you pissed me him. off man come on joey Mays get, just gets mad at me every time i mispronounce that so gif 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 i think that's wrong um, so okay okay let, let's get into let's get into shinda's list with number five Thrawn's Web, number four, Marauders Arrive, number three, The Master Switch, number two, It's Over Now, and number one, Your Father Would Be Proud. Ah, just kidding. Those None of those were John Williams. <laughs> Not a single one of <laughs> them. Kevin Carter and Michael he, Giacchino, fool. Yeah, man, oh man. You got John Powell, Michael Giacchino, and Kevin Kiner. Steven, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Oh, by the way, he's got, he's got the realist here. He's got the realist here. Let's get into the real one. So we got number five is Leaving Hogwarts from Harry Potter. I'm not sure which Harry Potter because I don't. And number four, The <laughs> Clash of the Lightsabers. Also, I'm not sure what that one is from. Um, Number three, Duel of the Fates. You know where that one's from. Uh, number two, Battle of the Heroes. And number one, Anakin's Trail. So very some, some Revenge of the Sith and uh, Phantom Menace heavy there. I'm looking up Clash of the Lightsabers music. I mean, score. it's Star Wars. Oh, it's it's that. from it's from Empire, dude. Really? It's the it's the music that's playing underneath Luke facing Vader. Oh my God, what? Ben! Aren't How? you aren't you part of a podcast called Star Wars Underworld? No, no, no that's it's a Star ben. Wars Underground. Damn it, it's a different oh, Ben. Wrong different ben hart with no e no dummy yeah he sounds a lot like our friend dominic uh, according to the commercial breaks that we have here on the show yeah you you've heard that haven't you jake uh, <laughs> i don't think so 
Oh, dude, you got to go back and listen to one of our episodes that has I that will. commercial in it because it's freaking amazing. We're gonna be, we're actually gonna play it during the commercial break of this show. So, yeah. okay, yeah, so you, you go, you go, you go back and listen to this. And when we go, when we go to, uh, when we go to commercial break in a little while here, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you have a, a good, a good hearty laugh. For that okay. God. But uh, Ben, I'm sorry that we started so late that you're actually ha- having to duck out on us a little bit early tonight. But thank you yeah, as always. I, it's 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 cool. Thank you as always. I mean, hey, I was absent last week, so I'm not going to give you any grief <laughs> whatsoever because <laughs> you picked up the slack for me. So now it's my turn to return the favor. I uh, I tip my hat to you, good sir, and uh, and bid you a good night. All right, thank you very much, guys, and I will talk and see, maybe see you later. See you later, later, later tonight, later next week, wherever he is, go find Ben Hart with no E on all the social media platforms, and you'll be able to keep up with whatever he's got going on throughout the course of the week. And go follow us at the IPC Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. He's very active on there. I'm in charge of the Instagram page, which is why we only have 100 followers. But (laughs) we're working on it. (laughs) We're working on it. Um, But we've got some other awesome submissions that we're going to get to tonight. Um, I want to get to our our good friend who has been uh, loyally listening for this show to start and has been listening live and contributing in the chat. Uh, longtime listener of the IPC podcast, Mr. Kenny Crayley Jr. His list is as follows. He's got some honorable mentions here, including some uh, Star Wars prequel trilogy scores, the Saving Private Ryan score, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. His number five is Jurassic Park. Number four is E.T., the Extraterrestrial. Number three, the main title theme to Superman the movie. Number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. And Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So basically the entire original trilogy is Kenny's number one. <laughs> kind of cheating on us a little bit there, man, but I respect it because there's a lot of epic music in those three movies. Amen. Uh, I'm going to need you to help me a little bit more that dude. <laughs> oh <laughs> awesome awesome uh, awesome uh awesome there I, I was gonna i was gonna say maybe just a little more variety but you know what i can't blame you because I, f- I feel like it's so easy to focus on one thing and and just love it so much uh that you know and and everything is so close to each other as far as how it's tiered quality wise like it's all good quality but um it's i don't know man it's i i uh I, I can't blame Kenny for, for his list. No, I mean, I enjoy all those movies. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a classic. E.T. is a classic. Star Wars, obviously a classic. There's a lot of really, really good selections on there. Yeah, exactly. Now, here's here's one that's, that I find really funny. Our friend Matthew Hardy says, I can do 10. Like, he's upset that we're, that we're asking for... <laughs> Where that we're asking for five, just be grateful we didn't ask for one, you know? Like, yeah. try to come up with like your number one all time super favorite, blah, blah, blah. Like, those are super hard to do. That's why we did these top fives in the first place. Because back in the day when we started these top fives, I couldn't find a very favorite movie. So I was like, eh, I'll do top five favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And they're all pretty much like tied for number one with me. And so, like, I thought five was a fair number, but. 
apparently 10 is uh, is what Matthew feels like he can he can squeeze in there. So uh, 10 through 6, we're actually just going to give them honorable mentions. Lincoln, The Patriot, Saving, Saving Private Ryan, Superman, and Jurassic Park. Checking in at number 5, this is his actual top 5 now. Schindler's List, E.T., Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Star Wars. Nice. So, okay, so here's 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 the thing. And this is partly on me and maybe partly on the way that we didn't describe it all that well. These are like the full movie musical scores, but for the intents and purposes of us as hosts, we are selecting individual tracks, which is probably even harder than picking out our favorite soundtracks overall. Mm-hmm. To be totally honest, because like what Steven did when when his uh, his Schindler's list included Hogwarts, Clash of the Lightsabers, Duel of the Fates, Battle of Heroes, Anakin's Betrayal, those were kind of along the lines of of what we were talking about. But I mean, there's so much great John Williams out there; it's hard to narrow it down. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, we've got. I, What's up, dude? I'm listening. I, I was just going to say, like, I I think I have only seen E.T. one time and not even in, in its entirety when I was about 10 years old. So we're talking about 13 years ago. And <laughs> E.T., the theme to E.T. is maybe in my top t- 10. But still, like, to have a song to a movie I haven't even seen all of be up there just, like, speaks to the power of John Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I... Uh... I got a confession to make. I have not seen Saving Private Ryan. Wow. I, I think I've seen it a couple times. But. Everybody talks about it being one of the best war movies of all time, and I don't doubt it. But at the same time, oh man, war movies kind of upset me sometimes, dude. That's understandable. Like, like I know that it's like a, a recreation of the reality that soldiers went through, but... Out of all the creepy, horror, crappy stuff that I watch, some of the most cringeworthy things that I've ever watched involve the the lives that our servicemen and women have had to go through. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the situations that they've had to face to sacrifice for our freedoms. Sometimes things can get just a little too real in my fantasy world. And I'll be one mm-hmm. of the first ones to admit that Saving Private Ryan's a little too real for me sometimes. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Like, uh, war movies are like that a lot for me. I, I think in general, I'm emotionally uh, triggered by by movies quite a lot. Like, even in Harry Potter, like the last Harry Potter I went to see, uh, I, I cried because it was the end of something, you know, I had stuck with for so many years. But war movies, things like that, that, that will make me uh, tear up or make me feel something. I... it's easy to call that a negative thing. Um, For me, I, I just look at it as just feeling an emotion. Like it made me feel something and whether that's good or bad or, or what have you, you know, it, it really tells me how powerful the director is in making a movie when they can bring across something and, and, and make an emotion come out of you so easily. Yeah. Absolutely. And the musical score is a big part of that. Obviously. Oh, for sure. I, I, I would say it's most of Because if you take that, that score out, and all of a sudden it's just a bunch of people dying without swelling music, it's like, yeah, that's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty sad, but like, 
I mean, what else is there, you know? Yep. Yep. Very true. Very, very true. So we got another longtime listener here, uh, Robin Glader. What have, what have we got from Robin there, Jake? Uh, number five for Robin Glader. We've got the Jaws theme. Very good. I like the Jaws theme. Everybody likes the Jaws theme. It's very intense. Um, number four, we've got the Jurassic Park theme. Very popular. Uh, number three, the Superman theme. A classic, a staple. It's like one of those. It's it's like Tim Burton's uh, 1989 Batman theme. It's like it's got that level of of you know this plays. You know exactly who it's about. You know exactly what movie it goes to. It's it's one of the best. Um, number two, the Indiana Jones theme. Another absolute classic. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, and number one, we've got every single Star Wars theme. Period. All of them. <laughs> All so, of them. There you have it. He he jam packed a bunch of them into number one. So I, I've got to say, Robin, you 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 took like you skimmed the top, the cream of the crop, some of the best ones out there, and you, you got them all. I think that if if uh, if my list were to go a little bit of a different way, it probably would have looked very similar to that. Now, see, I'm really curious about which direction it did go, and we'll get to that towards the tail end of the program. But. Okay. Uh, but in, in the meantime, we've got Mike Renfro with a submission as well. And he says that number five for him, it's Saving Private Ryan. Number four, Throne Room slash End Credits. We were introduced at our wedding to this. Oh, that's nice. Oh, why isn't that your number one, Mike? Why is it only <laughs> number four? What the hell? <laughs> Obviously, like if, you didn't have a great wedding then. If like if, like four. if that, like if you took Star Wars and you used it as your wedding music, it's supposed to be like the happiest day of your life. Why is it only <laughs> number four? <laughs> there must be a story behind this, and I need to know it. <laughs> His number wife's th- listening right now. Not happy, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Somebody's sleeping in the doghouse. Number three, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark theme. Number two, the Star Wars theme. And then number one, the Imperial March. Mm. So, fun fact um, back when I thought ringtones were actually cool, <laughs> I. I don't have ringtones for anybody anymore, man. My phone is perpetually on silent. And if somebody gives me a phone call, my watch is the first thing to buzz. Okay. Like I've got the Seinfeld theme on my phone. Okay. So I thought about using the friends theme. I think I've got the friends theme as my default ringtone, like my standard for everything. Mm. But I'm even thinking about changing that. I I just, (laughs) I, I don't, I don't know. But back when I had a flip phone, Okay, like back in the day <laughs> when I had a flip phone. 2016, baby. No, it was way <laughs> before that, man. It was like 2012. Oh, that, was, that, was, that was like 2011, 2012, back when the Motorola Razor was in fashion. Oh, both my parents owned those. I thought they were the coolest things. I know, right? Like my neighbor across <laughs> the street had one and he let me make a video of riding a bike one time with it. And I thought I was the coolest kid on the block oh man until i realized that my friend was riding a mini bike and then i was like yeah i'm definitely the coolest kid on the block anyway long story short i used to have the imperial theme as the ringtone for my dad (laughs) back in the day and my mom's ringtone for my dad was hail to the chief nice bum 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 
Yeah, that's uh, okay. I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> Does it trigger Sorry. bad memories? <laughs> We've got other things to talk about rather than presidential musical scores, uh, including a submission from my friend. I'm probably going to butcher this because there's accent marks and I'm terrible with accent marks. Vinyl Honknan. Uh, sounds close. I'm, 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 I'm going with that. If I butchered it, I apologize. I am a communication major, but I'm not a linguistics major, so I'm sorry. But Vinyl Honknan, your list of five includes Yoda and the Force. I'm assuming that's from Empire Strikes Back. Duel of the Fates, the Imperial March, Throne Room slash end credits, and Leia's News slash Light of the Force at number one okay i think uh, i may be wrong but i think that that could be the only time light of the force is listed as somebody's number one yeah yeah so now which which movie is that from uh leia's new i want to say i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say the wrong thing but is it from one of the new ones uh let me see i think it's from episode six okay I th- i'm pretty sure yeah from a quick google search that i did it said the complete score from star wars episode six leia's news gotcha um, Interesting. i don't know what i don't know what i don't know what news that would be yeah i'm trying to think leia's i'm trying i'm trying to figure out what news does leia have and when does she have it Unless it's from the end when she's telling Luke about how she knows or something, I don't know. Maybe, but oh, up in the up in the trees in the Ewok yeah, village at the Ewok village, yeah. When she gets the news that Vader is her father and Luke is her brother, yeah, that's true. Right, yep. That so maybe it's not Leia delivering the news; it's Leia receiving the news. Right, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Solid list. Solid, Very solid good. list. Duel of the I, Fates, man. I, man. I, all, I all, almost made my list, but not quite. Holy crap, dude. You must have like a super obscure, super ridiculous list. Because, like. <laughs> not really. Not, not too bad. but Like, oh my gosh. Duel of the Fates is the only reason I watch The Phantom Menace. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, blame I, you. Okay, maybe I'm using a little bit of hyperbole there but honestly duel the fates is one of the best things about the phantom menace if not the best thing about the phantom menace just for sure just putting that out there for sure all right who we got up next have we got edwin edwin uh it's either brands or bronze i'm not sure how to pronounce that but edwin, i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with bronze bronze let's do bronze um we are starting off number five back to the future Oh my goodness! Wait a second. Did he do Back to the Future? I, I, I guess. Hold on a second. Did he? Back to the Future. For some, I I don't know why that's just not coming to my forefront as like something that I knew he did. He did not compose Back to the Future. Okay, interesting. Okay, and I'm not blaming you for this, man, because I think it's like a common mistake that's made. But it's uh. I think it's done by Alan Silvestri. Alan Silvestri. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. It so, was well, Alan Silvestri. 
it's fine. We'll let it slip this time, right? <laughs> I mean, okay, but, dude, Back to the Future is still a great musical score. It's it's amazing. Um, you know, it's not John Williams, but it's it's still up there as like some of the best, some of the best ever. So I mean, you know, Back to the Future is a classic in general. And here's the deal. All all credit to Sylvester aside, imagine how epic it would have been if Williams had composed it. Oh yeah, I know. I, I mean, it it does feel like something he would do because it. I mean. I, I think John Williams is known best for just how perfectly his music fits the the thing he's making it for. And oh, back and that's, to the that's future, totally that's totally Back to the Future. You're right; that totally describes it. It wouldn't surprise me a bit if Sylvester was inspired by Williams's work. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I know many, many are surprised me at all. So number five, uh, that'll be a mulligan this time. But number four, we're gonna go with uh, Star Wars main theme. Very good. Uh, number three, wow. the Harry Potter theme. I yeah. love I love the Harry Potter theme. It's yes, absolutely amazing. Talk about dude. The, the more I watch Harry Potter, the more I love the musical score that's associated with it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. I I think part like the the two things that are the heart and soul of the of the Harry Potter franchise are, are the is the theme of friendship. You know, which sounds cheesy, but I think it's true. It's like apparent <laughs> throughout everything. But also just the music. It's just so good, and it's so. I don't know. It it's it's so good. Um it, it's actually one of my favorite memories from the the early 2000s is listening to the theme to Harry Potter. Uh we had a movie and they played the uh the uh Sorcerer's Stone uh trailer at the front of it every time. So we saw that a lot of times uh without ever seeing the movie, but my main memory from that is music and I was just, just sucked in and transported every time i watched it so um good good pick for number three number two duel of the fates again um and then number one the the schindler's list theme and i i must admit i've never seen schindler's list i know that's one of the 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 good ones but i've never seen it uh actually neither have i Ooh. yeah i i need to there's some stuff i need to see i i've gone on like a, a little bit of a shopping binge here and there lately and i'm hoping to run across it on you know one of the discount shelves at the stores that i go to or something like that because it's old mm-hmm. enough it could probably show up on the five dollar shelf any day now for but, sure but uh my my finds have been the likes of Django unchained and mad max fury road mm-hmm. and i even found the b movie not too long ago so I, <laughs> the, B, I, the B movies. I, nice. I can't wait to actually watch this internet phenomenon called the B movie, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just, the, I'm just not there yet. But I would love to find Schindler's List and add it to my collection. I've got over 210 movies now, so I that's need amazing. Make, I need to make Schindler's List one, uh, two, two eleven or something. We'll see. There you go. Um, I'm actually gonna gonna skip past the the next section that we've got and actually go down to. Uh, the the folks that submitted stuff to us on Twitter because okay. we got some really really good Twitter submissions and I want to give them some attention give them some love before we run out of time tonight. Uh, this submission comes from our friend Andy Lemierre at Lemierical. Uh, <laughs> what the what the heck? <laughs> what? Okay, I gotta Wait. go. I gotta go one through five with this one because this is like I I can't. Uh, I, I we usually go in reverse order, but I can't do it with this one, Andy. Damn it! This might be the best list I've seen. This is probably the best list of the night. 
Andy Lemire. <laughs> I can't even read it. You got number, creative with this one, man. Number one, Han and the Princess. Number two, Han and the Princess redone in the Force Awakens trailer. Number three is number one, but louder. <laughs> number four is number two, but louder. And then his number five is numbers one through four. You pick. <laughs> oh, uh, bravo, man. Bravo. Round of you get your win today. Round of applause. Andy Lemire wins the internet tonight. Oh, boy. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Uh, I am, I'm taking the IPC podcast Twitter page right this second. <laughs> Not I'm a lot of going, variety in that one, but I'm I'm going I'm going to the IPC podcast Twitter page, and I am going to find at Lemiel, <laughs> and if we're not following him already, then by golly, we're gonna be following him. <laughs> Let me see. What's his uh? What's his username again? It's Lem at Lemierical, L-E-M-I-E-R-I-C-L-E. We are now his 30th follower because of that. Congratulations, Andy. <laughs> you did a magnificent job. Also, for those of you that are still listening live, head over to our Twitter page because the voting continues on what terrible movie I'm going to be live tweeting at the conclusion of this episode. I will be doing it. And right now, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus and Mega Piranha are in a tie for first place. So somebody wow. go break that tie. Apparently, the snow creature's not getting enough love tonight. Horrors of Spider Island is about, mm, I don't know, a third of the way there. But uh, if you want to see me live tweeting Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus or Mega Piranha, go to IPC Podcast on Twitter and cast your vote. Cast it cast oh see uh i'm not i'm not going there i'm not going there like a fishing pole you know cast your line for, for which fishy movie you want me to talk about see you went there when i see, wasn't you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to say that for the snow monster no you wouldn't but since it's a couple of fish movies that are in the lead i'm totally okay with saying that uh so yeah go cast your vote while we read off this list from our friend adam mark lucas He's got a pretty good list too, doesn't he? Yes, he does. So for number five, uh, he went with Star Wars, the main theme from A New Hope uh, specifically. Uh, nice. Uh, number four, we've got the theme for from Jurassic Park. Uh, number three, Han and the Princess again. <laughs> um, from the Force Awakens trailer specifically. Uh, number two is Duel of the Fates. And number one is Binary Sunset. So almost an exclusively Star Wars list, except for Jurassic Park. But uh, Yeah, we haven't list. gotten anything this specifically one movie yet, have we? Not yet. Not yet. I, uh, we may be getting it, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I jinxed us. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I jinxed us. From Star Wars Agua's fan club, in no particular order, the Force theme. The Little People Work, the Jawa theme from A New Hope, Imperial March, Princess Leia's theme, and Across the Stars. There you have it. <laughs> an all Star Wars John Williams composition and all awesome selections. 
the Jawa theme is not one that people really talk about that much, Mm-mm. but it's actually a really solid piece of music because it's so out there. It's yeah. so different from everything else. And it makes you feel like you're in a jungle. It makes you feel like you're in a desert. Actually. I'm sorry. Why did I say jungle? <laughs> Why did I say jungle? I'm not you know, even the looking. Jawas used to live in a jungle and then they moved tattoo. Sure. Or maybe they're the reason that Tatooine is a desert because they cut <gasps> down all the forests and it's no longer a jungle planet. And that's what powers the sand crawlers. Yes, it runs on the wood of the trees that they cut down. See, they're, now they're quickly in, running out of their supply. Now environmentalists are having a field day because of the Jawa sand crawlers from a movie in the 1970s. The Jawas okay. are just a massive deforestation company. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Conservationists would have a field day if that was true. Oh, man. Oh, I should mention there was an honorable mention for Adam Lewis. Forgot to mention it was the Imperial March. So. Oh yeah, I mean you you've got to have that. So yeah. going back going back to the Jawa theme for just a minute there. Have you ever seen the original Planet of the Apes movie with Charlton oh, Heston? It's absolutely, it might be my favorite science fiction movie. It's amazing, dude. Yeah. I loved when we got to do that episode on IPC talking about that original movie. It's probably one of the oldest movies we've talked about here on the program, mm-hmm. honestly. But it's such a classic. Have you ever noticed that when the three astronauts are wandering around in the desert, that that music sounds a lot like the Jawa drumbeat music from A New Hope? You know, I never noticed, but I I need to go back and watch it to compare. That's That's interesting. That's one comparison that I made back on the episode, and I still stand by it, that Jerry Goldsmith was the composer for that uh for that movie mm-hmm. and i am still of the belief that williams took that desert drumbeat type music from the 60s and applied it to the 77 film that is star wars oh i would not be surprised that now, that's he, cool here's the interesting thing though goldsmith is not exactly known for his work on planet of the apes you know what he's most famous for what's that his work on Star Trek. Ooh, interesting. So if this is true, and I wonder if there's any kind of documentation to back this up, like if anybody else has asked this of John Williams, but it's entirely possible that an iconic theme from Star Wars was actually borrowed from the Star Trek composer. That's, man, you know, for those, those, battling trekkies versus the star wars fans that's that's some ammo for the the trekkies there it would uh, for me it brings about a little bit more intergalactic peace because it just all crosses over it just blends <laughs> together and it's right. allowed to damn it it's allowed to come on i i fall on the, on the side of galactic peace intergalactic peace i think i think we need peace and it's okay if things are borrowed or like inspired by i like to say uh you know it's it's the cross-pollination of ideas that create something even better. So I love it. I I think it's great. I I'm I'm using that as headcanon. I'm gonna be like, yeah, that's what actually happened. <laughs> that that's that's go. our that's our that's our reality. Yeah. Um but now we come to a list from Kevin Davis who also says in no particular order. So a lot of people are just kind of like, eh, take it as you will. <laughs> but uh his number five, I've never heard of this movie before. Swing, swing, swing. 
Unless that's the name of the track, maybe? I don't know. I think it's the name of the track from 1941. Oh, I see, I see. Which was a movie that came out in 1979, according to the Internet Movie Database. Yeah. I've never even... Hold on, 1941. Is that it's Steven Spielberg, right? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. I'm I'm trying to check it out. There's because if I remember correctly, this is the this is like one of the uh, yeah, Steven uh, Spielberg uh, that he did that wasn't necessarily critically acclaimed or like received well. Interesting. So that's interesting. Yeah, I've never seen it before or heard the song. Very interesting. So it is it is a Spielberg film written by Robert Zemeckis. Okay. And uh and it stars Dan Aykroyd, uh Ned Beatty, and John Belushi. Nice. So I mean that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty good cast. Yeah. I've I've just literally never seen it before, but it's it's one of those movies that he must have done right after Star Wars because it came out in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, yeah. I think the deal with that movie was is that it's like a war comedy comedy or something like that and like um, like very few of the jokes landed supposedly i've heard it talked about a few times so i'm i'm curious and fascinated to like check it out just to see what it's about but well kevin you've inspired a couple of podcast hosts to go look at a movie they've never seen before so thank you swing 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 from the movie 1941 the raiders march from raiders of the lost ark here's one that i love oh my gosh (laughs) this was a great choice the banquet from the movie hook oh what a great choice and so much nostalgia so much nostalgia hook is so underrated it really is man it's probably the second best pirate movie ever made yeah it's i'm not gonna say it's like a great great movie or anything but you know it's it, it made me feel good watching it as a kid it made me feel like my imagination uh you know there was something to my imagination where it was like the you know robin williams breathing life into the character of peter pan as an adult um there was just something about the casting and the and the characters that made me just feel really good about about watching that movie and escaping to that world i mean also there's just a bit of nostalgia in there Mm -hmm. because that's that's part of my childhood man like though those characters that movie that form of escapism going to a planet where you never grow up like yep. all of all of that just great so man that that movie hook a lot of nostalgia involved with the music and the movie great choice kevin number two one of my personal favorites journey to the island by mm-hmm. jurassic park it's a great great sequence and uh number one across the stars from attack of the clones nice that's a really solid list, Kevin. And you actually played by the rules. So thank you. Yep. <laughs> uh, so this next one is from Brooke. Uh, no last name, just Brooke. Uh, number five, Schindler's List theme. Number four, Hedwig's theme. Uh, I, I particularly like that choice. Good good choice there. Uh, number three is Jedi Steps. Uh, two is Binary Sunset. I've always loved the title of that song. It just sounds so like... I don't know. It looks like mixed nature with technology. Uh, Yep. Classic. Love it. Uh, And then number one is Ray's theme, which has definitely, I got to say it's grown on me since it it came out, but I think it's probably my favorite theme out of the new series. 
I would agree with you. I would agree with you. It's my favorite from the new series. But then at the same time, to me, that also doesn't say much. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. It <laughs> stands out. It's, it really stands out because I find it, you know, really unique and it's unmistakable. Like if I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's Ray's theme and it can't be anything else. Yeah. It doesn't really borrow anything from other tracks or anything like that. Uh, but like you, like you said, it's not like, it's not like that's saying much. Cause I, I find most of the other music in, in the new series, just a little bit generic and a little bit, uh, too inspired. Like they just kind of do some of the themes from, from past movies just a little bit differently. And it doesn't seem like there was a lot of, uh, you know, no offense to, to John Williams at all, but not as much creativity as I would have hoped for. Now, does this is, are you just talking about force awakens and the last Jedi or is this including rogue one and so uh, I'm just talking about the the saga films for now. Okay, okay, fair enough. Because yeah. I, I will say I did like some things from Giacchino's work on Rogue One. I I agree. I think that gets panned quite a bit because of the the limited time he had to make it. But I I'm a big fan of uh, Krennic's theme. Dun 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 dun. Yes. dun, dun. I that's like it. the that's the one I was going with. That's the one that I was that I was making reference to. It's, yeah. It's really solid, you know. Like you said, considering how little time he had to work on it, the fact mm-hmm. that he came up with something that sounded imperial without being the imperial march is actually credit worthy, very credit worthy. Right? Yeah. And I, I, I hadn't really, you know, Chino has been doing this quite a long time. I hadn't realized that I was a fan of him uh, when you know I watched Incredibles and he did the theme for Incredibles. I that's one of my favorite themes ever. Yeah, we might have to do a, a Giacchino episode, but that might come in 2019 or sometime beyond mm-hmm. that. But he's done some great work. Like if I had to come up with a top five Giacchino scores, it would not be that hard to do. No, uh, I will admit, though, it's very, very hard to come up with a John Williams top five. Very hard. He's he's done so much. And so many of these things are iconic. I'm looking at these like across the stars, binary sunset. Uh, the Raiders march, uh, the, there's just so much out there that you're just like, oh my gosh. Going back to, to Ray's theme for just a second there, does it feel to you, and, and maybe I'm the only one that thinks of it this way, I doubt it though, does Ray's theme feel almost holiday music in nature to you at times? I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. I it's like, not the first I think, but um yeah, I can now that you say that, I I can definitely see where you get that. Like the chimes at the beginning and how kind of mm-hmm. upbeat it gets to right after that. It's almost like it's almost like music that you could integrate into something like Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. Yeah, where, you're right. Where you've got uh him and Charlie descending into the into the North Pole, and you've got you've yeah. got the you've got the chimes playing as the sleigh is descending, and then when you get into the busyness that is the North Pole, the pace starts to pick up the way that it does as Ray's sled is going down the dune. I love it, man. That's great. And and uh, Santa Claus with Tim Allen. That's another one of my favorite nostalgia oh, movies. Um, We're doing I a holiday special in 2018 December holiday special oh, nice and i think we're gonna do top five christmas or or top five holiday episodes sweet so that's something for y'all to look forward to december 2018 we're actually not that far away from doing those holiday specials it's september oh. 
We're doing it in three months, people. Wow. October, November, December. We're doing it in three freaking months. So stay tuned. Feels like Christmas 2017 was just yesterday. Ugh, I know, man. It's it's <laughs> it's crazy. And, and it's also crazy how much you can squeeze into that short amount of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I've worked like six jobs since then. You've gotten married since then. Like, <laughs> lots holy, happened. Holy crap. A lot has happened between now and then. <laughs> Uh, our friend Roll sends us this list at Jedi Relics. That's a pretty cool username. Mm-hmm. Um, number five, the Raiders March. Number four, Padme's Ruminations. That's a fun word. Ruminations. <laughs> it, it sounds like a recipe. Padme's Ruminations. It it, it sounds like a tabletop game. <laughs> ruminations. Padme's <laughs> Ruminations. Hey, you want to play some Ruminations? Only if it's Padme's Ruminations. <laughs> Number three is the theme from Jurassic Park. Number two is the shark theme from Jaws. And number one, Across the Stars. Nice. I think Across the Stars is a pretty popular one. It's been voted on several yeah. times. Along with the Raiders theme and the and the Jurassic Park theme. You know what I'm going to do is um, after this episode is finished, I'm going to take the different uh, votes that we've gotten here and compile them. See what the five favorites are from uh, from our from our listeners. See how mm-hmm. see how it came out from uh, from our fan base. But uh, not something that I'm going to be able to do tonight. But maybe something we episode. We'll see. Yeah. So uh, we've got one more Twitter submission from at Dom Kival, I believe is how you pronounce it. Kiv- Kival. Yeah, something like that. Kival. Kibble, it almost sounds like a dog food. I'm not going to say kibble. I'm going to say kibble. Kibbles and bits. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Sorry. You can start a company, man. Come on. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, He's got uh, Yoda and the Younglings as an honorable mention. Okay, here's the deal. Honestly, I, I don't remember the music from Yoda and the Younglings. And that just goes to show John Williams' talent. It's something that stands out to somebody like William. Is something that just passes right by me somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I know that there's like a sense of awe and wonder because they're trying to find the missing planet from the archives. Mm-hmm. But I'm focusing so much on the visuals and the story that the yeah. music almost kind of takes a bit of a background for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's, just, that's just a testament to, to John Williams and the fact that he can stand out to just about anyone. I, I I think I know what he's talking about with the the track. I can't quite fully realize it in my mind, but it does. I think it does add a little bit to the scene, kind of subconsciously. You know, yeah, it's it's very mystical in nature that you would probably notice it if it wasn't there. Yeah, by itself. Yeah, but you know, if it's just integrated into the movie that well and and that in depth, then you almost kind of pass it by. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to watch this that scene after the the podcast tonight just to be reminded of it. Just to go have a listen, yeah. Uh, checking in at number five for William is Ray's theme. Number four, Leia's theme. I wonder if there's a little bit of a little bit of a trend there. Is there a reason why those two are <laughs> together? Hashtag conspiracy theory. Uh, number three, <laughs> Tales of a Jedi Knight. Number two, Binary Sunset, and his number one, Across the Stars. Man, that's like, the th- is that the third number one or more than that? Uh, I mean, it's back to back. Uh, Across the Stars has been number one. And uh, Kevin Davis also had Across the Stars as his number one. 
Wow. Uh, Agua's fan club had across the stars as their number one. So that's what four right there. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Uh, da, 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 da. Schindler's list. Leia's news. The Imperial March. Every single Star Wars theme from Robin. I am guessing that would include across the stars. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. So that's four so far. And the fun is just getting started. But we're going to hit the pause button for a little bit here. Go to a brief program identification and commercial break. And we'll see you on the flip side as we continue this awesome top five John Williams scores discussion. Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? This is IPC. And we're back. Did you miss us? (laughs) 
Ah, it's uh, it's always a lot of fun listening to those commercials on the flip side. It's absolutely hilarious, the stuff that the Underworld guys did. I mean, I, Jake, I know that you didn't get a chance to listen to it live, but you need to go back and listen to that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then tweet us your thoughts, and we'll, uh, we'll retweet them. Uh, Sounds spe- good. Speaking of Twitter, the voting continues for a little while longer. If you want to cast your vote for what horrible movie I'm going to watch at the conclusion of this podcast episode, uh, go to IPC Podcast and uh, let me know what you want me to talk about. Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus and Mega Piranha are the leaders right now. (laughs) If they finish in a tie, I'll just uh, flip a coin or something. But uh, I will be live tweeting something on the IPC Twitter page at the end of this episode. So, Stick around. Nice. Uh, We're going to move to a repost that we had from our friends at Star Wars Episode 9. It's run by our friend Chris Siegel over Channel 1138, and uh, he graciously allowed us to repost it to try and aggregate some more content. Uh, We did have to kind of give like a little bit of a cutoff, so if you submitted it after the cutoff time, I apologize. These are the ones that we were able to get into the program and get in there at a decent time but uh, these are the ones that we're going to go with thank you to everyone that submitted a list to us and uh, we're going to lead things off with tyler shepherd who says that his number one is the adventures of han from solo a star wars story uh we're gonna have to call a mulligan on that one aren't we because williams didn't compose it but he had an influence on the soundtrack Mm. didn't he he showed up as he showed up as like an advisor I believe. Okay. Okay. Or or did he actually write this one? So here's what I'm going to say. You know, if he was there on set and if he's telling this, the composer, whoever did this, this track, like if I were you, I would do this or do it this way. That's, that's quite a bit of influence, you know, and it's firsthand influence. So I would say it's enough to say he had a hand in making it. Okay. Hold on. He actually composed this track. Oh, nice. There you go. He actually composed he actually composed this track. So John Powell had the responsibility for the score, but I remember now that there was there was a there was a piece of news out there that John Williams was on there and had a heavy influence and he actually did compose one of the tracks. So there you this, go. Wow. This is that track. My apologies, Tyler, for doubting you. The <laughs> Adventures of Han from Solo Star Wars Story, the one piece that Williams composed from that movie. Uh let me see. Number four on Tyler's list is March of the Resistance. That's one that we haven't seen yet, but one that definitely deserves some recognition mm-hmm. because that resistance theme that plays when Poe flies in with the with the squadron of X-Wings in The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. that is one heck of a sequence and it's amplified by one heck of a musical score. For sure. Uh, number three, The Imperial March. Number two, Duel of the Fates. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but I think this is the first time this one's actually been specified. The yeah. battle, the battle of the heroes. Man, now, what is that from exactly? Battle of the heroes. I'm pretty sure Battle of the Heroes is from three. Okay, okay, so it's the the one where they're fighting at the end of three, then the lava. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the it's the fight on on Mustafar. Okay, yep. Ba- I'll, I'll give you that one. Battle of the Heroes is almost like a dramatized, amplified 
gothic version of Duel of the Fates. Yeah, I was going to make that comparison. Duel of the like, Fates. Like, it's got the vocals in it, but the vocals are sad almost. Mm-hmm. Like, it it the, really speaks of a tragedy. It does. It really, really does. Like, you know that this is like brother against brother. This is like mentor against mentee. These are guys that have had so much history together, and now they have to fight each other for the fate of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a huge undertaking for somebody that's a composer. I would not trust that to John Powell. I would not even trust that to Giacchino. The only person I would trust for a musical score with that kind of implication to it is John Williams. Absolutely. So, Tyler, that is a great, great list, my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, who have we got next? We've got a submission from Daniel, I believe. Do we not? Yeah, Daniel Giacomello. Uh, he's got Duel of the Fates as his number five. Yoda's theme f- f- as number four. Um, when did Yoda's theme first come into play? Was it episode five? I would imagine his theme plays when he's force lifting the X-wing out of the swamp. Okay, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Good pick, good pick. Uh, Vader's funeral pyre from the end of episode six. Very emotional moment. I really, I, I do love that that piece of music. Uh, Binary sunset uh, number two, and the battle for Endor part two uh, as his number one. So I would, ha- I would have to re-listen to the battle of Endor one. I'll, yeah, I was thinking the same thing because uh, here's the deal. Episode six just doesn't do a lot for me. Okay. I I I, I hate to, to sound like like a like a hater. <laughs> like that's 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 not that's not what I stand for, but as far as story goes, as far as characters go, there are a lot of things that I have like some nitpicky problems with with Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And while I'm not going to nitpick the John Williams score, I feel like part of his creativity might've been hampered by the story. Yeah. Okay. That, that that's, that's my perspective. That's where I'm coming from with this. I don't, I don't hate the music that he did. It's just that I didn't pay as much attention to it because I was too busy cringing at some of the other stuff that was going on in the story. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I, I feel like I'm blinded by nostalgia goggles for, the uh for episode six but i i feel like there's so much in there for me that saves it like the just the whole end battle and the the uh conversation luke has with with anakin skywalker after his mask has been taken off and um i don't know there's just so much in it that i i really really and does it have his faults yeah it does uh but i at the end of the day, I think I still really like it. I, I don't think it's my number one favorite Star Wars movie at all. It's number four, actually. For for me, uh, A New Hope is my number one. But uh, I think it's it's number three right there under uh, the, uh, the uh, what, Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back is two. Is that is that what you're putting it? Yeah, it surprises a lot of people. I just I, I A New Hope because of you know it started everything and it 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 just it was so gritty you know it was just like uh, it was a, a an indie filmmaker who's like i'm gonna make this thing 
and I'm going to make it because I want to make it. And I don't care if I don't have a ton of money to do it. I'm going to make it. And it just turned into this huge thing. And it's such a simple story start to finish. You could just have that Star Wars movie be its own thing and it would work. And I, I, I just love it for so many reasons. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a classic. I'm not I'm not questioning. I'm not I'm not questioning your 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 choice selection. I was just trying to make sure that I had the list correctly in my head more than oh, anything. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, like, I was I was just just confirming what I was hearing cuz it is uh pretty late and uh <laughs> well it's I, only, it's only going to get later. I, I will say Empire is a a better made film start to finish. I think it's it's the most consistent uh as far as uh, theme and and pacing and things like that and it's it's i it is a perfect movie you know as as close to perfect as you can get and uh but i think out of the two i appreciate what a new hope did more because without a new hope you wouldn't even have empire yeah that's that's very true you you got to you got to have the prequel in order to have the the really good sequel so mm-hmm. I'm 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 with you. I hear you, man. I I I'm probably gonna have to go back and watch through all the movies again, just yeah. so I have an excuse to go back and watch all the movies for one thing. <laughs> you don't need an excuse, man. Dude, I do these days though. I'm working yeah. like four jobs, and I'm like working on this podcast and a couple of others. We're recording an episode of RIPC tomorrow night, I believe. So nice. you know, we've just we've just got a lot of things that, that we're juggling regarding this podcast, and I got a lot of things I'm juggling personally. To be able to sit down and watch eleven feature length films. <laughs> yeah, you need time for that. That's a pretty massive undertaking. I don't know if I have a free weekend to do that kind of thing anymore. It's gonna have to be in increments. Yeah, you gotta plan months ahead for that. Yeah, I got to plan months in ahead for any kind of spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the one time here. Okay, I got to pause and do like a little story time with Zach kind of thing. <laughs> we usually do these on uh, on Mixler before we go live, but I'm going to I'm going to hit the pause button because we've only got two more submissions before we hear your list, Jake. So we're almost done. Um, When she's uh, I think it was about two years ago. I saw a meme that uh on the on the internet that said yes i'm in college any spontaneity has to be planned two weeks in advance okay thanks bye (laughs) and then literally that weekend i think it was like in october i want to say it was Mm -hmm. in october and i was living in a in like a community house with some people from my church at the time so there were like there were like 10 other people and yeah, it was, it was, it was like a big, big house. It was like a six, six bedroom, three bath, two living room, 20, 2200 square feet or something like that. Like it was massive. That sounds exciting. Uh, yeah, it was busy, but, um, we actually decided that we wanted to do something together as like a quote unquote family. And I was mm-hmm. like, Hey, that sounds fun. When would we do it? And so we started like comparing schedules and stuff. And we realized that the only day anybody could really all free up together was like this Saturday, the second or third week of November. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I can do that. (laughs) And it was literally like that meme had spoken truth into my life. (laughs) I understand. Because it was October. It was like early October. (laughs) And we decided, hey, we want to go to Six Flags. Let's go have fun. 
next month. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and it was uh, like a, I mean, it, it was technically like a moment of spontaneity because we just up and decided that we were going to go to Six Flags, <laughs> but we up and decided that we were going to do it next month. <laughs> you know what? That's you know sometimes that's necessary when you got to do something cool. I mean, not everybody's going to be on the same schedule, but. And- almost seems cruel to get excited about something like that and just like realize oh we've got to wait like 60 days to do it i i mean for me it would like give me motivation to make it through those next few weeks (laughs) be like hey you do your routine for the next 48 days and on day 49 you get to go ride roller coasters son yeah i I, see i'm such a fan of instant gratification that i would almost want to have a meeting about it way like have it then but don't tell me about it until like two days before. Yeah, I can't be that spontaneous, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing two days from now, and it involves. Wrong. Sorry, Just, I, I want people to. I want it to be a surprise and have people tell me, "Hey, I don't. I can't tell you what it is, but don't plan anything for this day in November." And I'll be like, "Okay, now I'm excited," and then okay, have it I'll, sprung on me. Okay, I, I I can see that. Like that that that's 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 a good balance. Be like, "Hey, set this day aside." We're going to do something fun, but we're not telling you what I can do that. I can do that. But no, no, no. What, what, what it sounded like to me a second ago was you were like, oh, hey, we're doing something the day after tomorrow. Clear your schedule. (laughs) He's like, um, hell no, I can't do that. Sorry. Yeah, no, I can't. I got I got it. I got a test to take in two days. Um, no, sorry. I can't make it to that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the end of my little tangent there. Any spontaneity that I do from now on has to be planned at least two weeks in advance. Sorry, yeah. folks. Like <laughs> literally this episode of RIPC that we're recording, uh, in the not too distant future. Stay tuned for that. I didn't get to voice my opinions on Harry Potter and the half blood prince. So I'm going to get to voice them on RIPC, which is cool. Nice. But, uh, it's actually my we, favorite Harry Potter movie. So we we were talking with our co-host about trying to figure out when to do that episode, and uh, the only day that we could both make it work was uh, the the fifteenth of hmm. September, and we were planning it like on the first. I think. Come on, man. <laughs> like, let me see. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's about two weeks. Yeah, it was. Sure. It was a. It was, it was like. The, it was. It was like the first or the second or something like that. And we were finally like, okay, no, I can't do the 11th. Well, I can't do the 13th. Okay, well, what about the 15th? Yep. <laughs> okay. There you go. RIPC happening on the 15th of September. Be on the lookout for that on uh, the Fandom Cantina Mixler. Going back to our top five lists, we've got a submission on a episode nine page from Kevin Barnett, who says his top fives includes the Raiders March. Throne Room and End Credits, which is another one that's been really popular lately. Um, Theme from Schindler's List. The Hunt from The Lost World. Interesting. And The Forest Battle is his number one. I gotta zero in on The because this is the only time The Hunt is gonna get referenced. Mm -hmm. And I gotta give him a little bit of a shout out for this because The Lost World doesn't get a lot of love Mm -hmm. on any front as a movie, as a film score, anything. The Lost World just does not get the love that I feel like it deserves. But I agree that The Hunt is a really, really solid score. Um, It's very different. This is the one that's very jungle-themed to me. 
Okay. It, it feels almost like something that belongs in an Indiana Jones movie, to be totally honest. Wow. It, it's very different from anything that you really hear from John Williams. It's very different from anything that you hear in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to it on your own, it's very adventurous. If you don't know the context of the movie, you don't really need to because it just sounds like the kind of music you would listen to if you were going on a big game hunt. Yeah, it, it really, really does. And uh, not too long ago, I discovered a creek behind my house, like less than a mile away from my house. I live nice. in a very urban neighborhood. And so imagine my surprise and delight when I found this creek <laughs> and there was like a bit of a wooded area back behind it. And I knew that if I went to the west, I'd end up on a on a big road. If I went to the north, I'd end up back in the main park area. If I went south, I'd end up in the creek. So I was kind of boxed in, but Mm -hmm. it was also fairly wooded. And I felt like I was on a bit of an adventure. So what I did was I found my Jurassic Park playlist and hit play on my phone, put it in the knapsack that I brought with me. dude, And I went exploring through that little forested creek area with the Jurassic Park soundtrack playing out of my knapsack and right in the middle of like the thickest thorniest part of this adventure, the hunt started to play. Oh, I had never felt so badass in my entire (laughs) life. felt like I had my own theme music and I was going off on my own adventure. The only thing I was missing was like a whip and a fedora and maybe a machete. (laughs) that's amazing i oh man i'm jealous i'm jealous that sounds like a fun experience i i'm i'm a huge fan of listening to music doing things that Mm -hmm. maybe you would be uh would be like if you were in a movie that's what would be playing in the background and i've done that with a lot of indiana jones tracks before just like exploring like something similar to you we had a we had a creek kind of near our house uh, when we lived in a. It was a different town in Pennsylvania a couple of years ago, but the creek led to a tunnel, and it was a big tunnel that led underneath some train tracks, and it felt very like Mayan ruin type, you know that that type of like, like mossy stones and and water that you didn't know how deep it was or what was beneath it or anything, and you kind of had to like crawl on the side of it on the stone ledge and if you if you weren't careful you'd fall in but if you had like your headphones in and you were just playing like indiana jones music you felt like indiana jones and it was awesome dude that sounds really cool yeah that sounds really really cool i'm actually i'm actually kind of jealous that sounds even cooler than what i was doing well if you think about <laughs> no but if you think about it like it's like like if you take a movie and remove the music, it's just somebody doing. Something. But if you put the music in, it seems like a full experience. And if you do that in yeah. real life, yeah, it's a full experience for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm totally with you because you can listen to the music when you're just going through everyday life, and maybe it sounds like your current theme song or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or you know maybe you're doing something, but you wish you had music. Yeah. But when when you're able to combine the two like that, mm, it just sparks the imagination. Yep. Gets your heart racing. All right. Our second to last list of the night, if we're including yours, Mr. Damon, comes from <laughs> Timothy Anadon. His list includes Battle of the Heroes, which is from Revenge of the Sith, as we have learned. Yoda's theme. 
here's something oddly specific. Cantina band song number two. <laughs> not not the one that you hear high school bands playing all the time, but the one that you kind of have going on in the background when Han is in negotiations with old Ben over transit with the Falcon. Yeah. It's it's like uh it's like a jukebox song or something. Like, hey, mm-hmm. play a Cantina band song number two. And it's a good one. I enjoy it. It's it's it continues with the whimsy and the fun that you're supposed to, you know, get the impression of from that cantina mm-hmm. without it being an imposing presence. It's not something that you're sitting there like, oh, I've got to dance to this or, oh, right. I have to, right. you know, I have to listen to this and stop my conversation. That is good bar music. Yep. For I, sure. I like I like it a lot. Number two, Duel of the Fates, and number one, The Binary Sunset. Nice. Well, unless I'm mistaken, we kind of did things kind of out of order a little bit here and there. Um, But I think that's all the lists that we have from our listeners. It's a very, very solid list, a lot of variety. And a lot mm-hmm. of help from a lot of people. So thank you to everyone involved. And remember to go find us on social media at IPC Podcast. We will be doing more top fives in the not too distant future. And uh, stay on the lookout because next week's going to be another really special episode. We'll talk about that later on. But this was this was a lot of fun. Thank you to everyone who contributed. And a special thank you to all of our patrons that uh, support us financially and make these top fives possible among other things that we do here on the show and outside of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. You, of course, Jake, along with Joey Mays, Katie Horn, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Parker Ott. We could not do what we do without help from people like you. Well, I'm happy to, to donate. I've listened to you guys for, uh, several years at this point you guys do an awesome thing and it's a pleasure when i can guest on it and i just i want to do my part to be able to to see you guys keep the lights on and do your thing so that uh, i'm entertained <laughs> it, it it definitely does that and more the the contributions that that you guys put forward uh pays for our Podbean uploads you know we 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 have to pay for the cloud space in order to keep all of those 200 something episodes up there and uh mm-hmm. you guys you guys help make that happen um you you guys help pay for movie tickets when we go to see stuff and we want to talk about it here on the show and we're looking at using the finances for some other things as well so if you want to contribute and you want to have full access to our entire library including episode one. I mentioned this at the top of the show and I didn't get to extrapolate on it very much with Ben before he signed off. But Jake, we actually talked about doing a John Williams episode way back during episode one of the IPC podcast. Oh man. So this is like like the fullest a circle can get (laughs) 206 episodes later. We actually did like a test recording. If I, if my memory serves correctly, back in 2014, May of 2014, we did a test recording uh, of each other's voices. Like I recorded on GarageBand and Ben recorded on Audacity. <laughs> and then we stitched them together to have the conversation. 
And we just talked about what we wanted IPC to be, what we wanted it to look like, what kind of mm-hmm. things we wanted to talk about. Obviously, Star Wars and Marvel and DC came up. But then I also mentioned that maybe we should do an episode that's devoted to John Williams's music. Yeah. And here and here we are. It, you know, the top five was kind of something that came out of nowhere and became like a super popular element. And then we just kind of took that. And then we took that idea of doing a John Williams tribute and it all just kind of seemed to fit. It all fit together pretty well. So yep. yeah, 200 plus episodes later, we finally get around to doing a John Williams tribute episode. Here's my hand. It's, it's about damn time. Just, just putting that out there. Yep. It's an honor to be here on this this uh, momentous occasion. Well, and the moment's not over because we still need to hear your list, Mr. Damon. All righty. What uh, are your five favorite John Williams musical pieces and why? Take okay. your time, sir. Take <laughs> your time. Well, for my number five, and all of these are pretty, I would, I would say pretty specific. Uh, yeah, they're specific because I chose specific tracks from specific movies and specific dates, and I put the dates next to them. I was very specific about this, Zach. Just understand. Um, I, I, <laughs> can you be more specific? I can't be any more specific than that, except for just <laughs> reading the list. So I'm just going to start with number four. And uh, it's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade theme from 1989. And if if you look this up on YouTube, uh, I, I, I will say that Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is it's kind of a tie with Raiders of the Lost Ark, if not just nudge out nudging Raiders by just a slight hair. Because Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is one of the most fun and entertaining movies I've ever seen. It's it's from start to finish, uh, either got an extremely entertaining scene, a funny scene, an adventurous scene that gets your heart racing. It is just jam packed full with hardly a dull moment. Um, and the, the theme for it, uh, like I said, if you find it on YouTube, it, it starts off kind of unconventionally. There's a, I, I don't know if anybody listening or you, Zach, know what I'm talking about, but there's this whole like, um, theme going, uh, and then it kind of goes into to the Indiana Jones theme as we know it, the dun da dun dun da da which obviously is one of my favorites ever. Um, but just that whole blend of like that that reverent, uh, like you really feel like you're dealing with something powerful, and it's the subject of the the Holy Grail and and all that jazz, and it just blends seamlessly into the to the Indiana Jones theme, and just all together is one package. I love it, and it's probably my favorite piece of music out of. The, the whole Indiana Jones series besides maybe the map room from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I, I listened to quite a bit on repeat. Uh, but yeah, that's my, that's my number five. Uh, number four is uh, Hedwig's theme, which I also listened to on repeat. It's from, uh, it's from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, uh, 2001. Uh, and this is the the piece I was talking about earlier that I would listen to in the in the trailer at the beginning of the movies when we were a kid, and uh, it's just it's always stuck with me. It's always been a little haunting, uh, a little whimsical, a little uh, you know adventurous. You feel like you're you're on a broom flying somewhere, and it's it's just the owl's theme. You know, I I, I think a lot of people mistake this theme for Harry Potter's theme, and it's not quite. 
Um, but it's it's as iconic as Harry Potter's theme, I would say. Um, and it's just so, so good and uh, heartwarming. And you feel like you just want to walk out your door and, you know, find try and find Hogwarts because you want to go to Hogwarts. Um, but uh, number four is Hedwig's theme. Yes. Number three is is just the main theme from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's the one that kind of sticks throughout the series. It was the the base theme for for Harry Potter and the whole series. Uh and it it's just a great character theme. It's uh like like I said it has you know all of Harry Potter music for the most part has the the whimsical qualities. I think that's probably the best word to describe any Harry Potter music is whimsical. And uh John Williams just nailed the the magic of of Harry Potter with that theme, and it's it's just a very good piece of music. Have, um, I don't and, mean I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you for it, but just for split, yeah, go for it. Just for a split second, have you been to either of the Universal Studios? My biggest regret in life is not being able to go. Somebody had invited me one time. I had other obligations, but since then I haven't gone, and I can't wait to go. I went to the one in Hollywood with Chris and Dominic, and I believe Ben was there. Mm-hmm. And How was it? Harry Potter World was the best section of the park, hands okay. <laughs> freaking down. It had it. They, they, they had like a four-dimensional simulator type ride that you you got in, and it had like an overhead. Uh, harness and you would you would get in and it would take you through like a hogwarts related experience Mm. but the line was half the ride (laughs) because because they had these different rooms that very much resembled chambers and hallways from hogwarts oh man and so you would get to see these replicas and you'd get to see these paintings like the the hall of paintings that you see with the moving staircases in yes. Hogwarts. You don't have the moving staircases, but you do have holographic paintings that look like they're talking to you while you're standing in oh, line. Man. Like the line is half of this trip. And then yeah. it's actually a pretty decent ride. Like it's a couple of minutes long compared to some roller coasters that feel like they're only like 30 seconds or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like it takes you on something that makes you feel like you're actually experiencing it. And uh, the funny thing was when we went on it, the ride broke a couple of times. Oh, and so what they did was they opened up this shortcut and anybody that was inconvenienced by the ride breaking down, they would let you go on it again. Oh, nice. Problem was when we went on it again, guess what happened? <laughs> did it break down again? It broke again. Yes. What? So we ended up going on this ride like six times in one hour <laughs> because they just kept letting people cycle back through again. And we were like, oh, yeah, it stopped for us. Okay, you can go oh, through. No. And so we rode this thing like crazy. But oh. they've also got like their own version of Diagon Alley to a certain oh, degree. Yes. Like I it's 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 not it's not a complete replica, but a lot of the buildings have very similar stylizing to them that makes you feel like you might as well be there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if, as long as they've got some of the staple buildings like Gringotts and and uh, Ollivanders, I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure they had those. Yeah. And and a lot of them are souvenir themed, obviously. So you go in and you get stuff from any of the four houses or what have mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. But they also had rolling carts that sold butterbeer 
Oh my gosh. Like they this, thought this of, sounds like everything I want it to be. <laughs> they yeah, dude. Like I'll send you some pictures from when I went. I think I've still got them in my camera reel. But I would, I would love that. Out oh of gosh. out of everything that we saw there, like I enjoyed the Jurassic Park ride, which is now closed and being renovated and turned into a Jurassic World ride. So I'm glad of I got course. I'm glad I got to do that before they closed it down. That was that was a pretty fun little ride. Um and and I, I liked the the walk through Walking Dead haunted house that they had. That mm-hmm. was that was pretty cool, although I laughed more than I was scared. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what it is, dude. Like scary stuff, like stuff that's supposed to scare you doesn't really scare me. I laugh at those kinds of moments. You're well, immune. I, I'm not I'm not immune. Like I said earlier in the program, there are some things that are just a little too close to home that do kind of freak me out and, and make me cringe a little bit mm-hmm. like, like saving private Ryan. Right. But, right. but there's different types of scary. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And obviously Sharknado doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. The, the walking, <laughs> the walking dead does not scare me. Um, the concept behind human centipede that scares me. Yes, I agree. I agree. So, I mean, you're right. There, there are certain things that I'm just like, why would somebody think of that? Why would somebody do that? I don't think I could ever watch Human Centipede. I saw the trailer one time. This is not for me. I, I would not watch it on my own. I would watch it with somebody else so that I can watch their reaction to it. <laughs> okay. Actually, maybe I would do that. I, I would I, have to not look some of the time, but yes. Well, in those moments, that's when you pretend like you're just looking at somebody else's expression. You're <laughs> actually looking away for your own benefit and being entertained by the person who is actually brave enough to keep watching. <laughs> oh, man. Whoever that's that a, person is, you're a brave soul. Uh, poor Sharon. <laughs> she would. Nope. Nope. I don't even think she'd watch The Walking Dead, man. I just I, nothing. I don't think she would. She would do it. I, violence is, uh, is a big note. And I, you know, for, for, I, I think we all have our, our threshold, but yeah. I think hers stops pretty, pretty early. Well, I can hardly blame her. This world has gotten so violent and so gruesome over the years. It's, yeah. it's hard to know sometimes where reality finishes and fantasy begins. Honestly. Yeah. And, you know, I just one last thing. I, I feel like I don't mind violence at all really depending on how it's done like if it's in a sci-fi movie or whatever and somebody like some alien's head is getting cut off i mean that's that's cool to me whatever it's like special effects uh whatever but there's just something about things like the human centipede where it's like it just seems like beyond the violence and whatever else is involved it just seems like such a warped concept to even think of that that it's like all all i can think about is like how demented is the person that came up with it's like what is wrong with this person yeah for real but like anyway like why why did this concept come up in your head and why <laughs> why why are you subjecting me to it? Why, what drugs are you on and why do I experience whatever you saw on these drugs? I don't. I don't. Yep. But anyway. Basically. Basically. So that was my number three, Harry Potter and the Sword of Stone. Uh my number two is is uh is a staple, it's a classic. It's Everybody knows this. It's it's the 1977 Star Wars theme. It's the thing everybody waited for while Episode Seven was was being produced, and when the trailers came out and everything, we all waited to hear that same theme from 
a new hope which it's it's very similar to that i think episode eight actually almost copies it i think um but just the the main star wars theme that we first hear in episode uh, episode four it's not specific to that it's just like any any of the of the themes for the opening crawl it's just it's so uh, it transports you immediately to the galaxy of of star wars and to that universe and um it's it, it opens up with a blare and it's just a I, I i like to think of the star wars theme as a blend between like militaristic you feel like in there um and adventure uh just a space adventure um so it's like you're mixing the words it's like if you had to pick music to represent the word star stars or stars or whatever star and wars and mesh them together that's exactly what john williams did to create the theme for star wars and to me that makes it perfect and um that's why you know it's 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 my number two you know i i would almost put it at my number one if i didn't love my number one so much uh but it is absolutely my one of my favorites so i'm gonna leave the audience on the edge of the seat for just a second here if i may okay and and ask you to take a look at your facebook private messages because i sent you four from my trip to california back in 2016 oh i just opened them and I'm looking at Hogwarts and it looks freaking spectacular. Is that full size? <laughs> yes, dude. Oh my gosh. That's from a that's from a distance. The ride is built into Hogwarts. Oh my gosh. So that 4D ride that I told you about is inside this scale and oh. you're going through the line going through Hogwarts getting to the ride itself which is also inside the building there wow that's awesome that like to build something like that to scale is that's awesome like when when i show up when i went to disney world one time and i saw the uh the castle the the castle you always see at the beginning of disney movies you know it's the it's the disney castle and Mm -hmm. i gotta say i was a little disappointed just by how much smaller i thought it was in real life compared to how yeah big they make it seem ditto at disneyland dude ditto at disneyland yeah it's like it's like three stories tall if that (laughs) yeah that's it's a little underwhelming but uh you know i can see maybe it being a a big deal to like kids who are like a third of my size but Mm -hmm. uh as an adult it was like oh come on uh but hogwarts that looks like something to behold right there yeah the the second picture is the hall of paintings when you're in line Okay. Like they they stacked them. Like you can see the different outlines of the frames and oh, wow. like how many of them they put in there. And then some of them are digitized. That's and awesome. So they function like holograms and they'll like talk to you while you're in line. And I, then I feel like when JK Rowling wrote these books and the movies were being made, it's like it's set up to be made into like a believable theme park. It's like Yes, we can do moving paintings because screens are a thing and you can just make them screens and you can, I don't know. There's so many things that you can do and it feels like they did them for them. Um, yeah, no, they, they totally did. I wish I had gotten some more pictures of the line, but the lighting was kind of low. And okay, so, it was, yeah. so it was hard to do it. However, the picture of the spider that I sent you was actually from the ride. Oh, dang. 
Is that, that is that Aragog? That is Aragog's offspring, okay. I believe. You you actually see Aragog in in one of the next sequences, and um, nice. water gets spat at you as if it was venom. <laughs> oh no! And wow! It was, so it's it a really immersive cool. experience. Oh yes, it's very immersive. Like I said, it's almost like a four D simulation kind of thing. Like there are some sequences where they use animatronics and then there are some sequences where you pull up in front of a screen and it'll like blow wind in your face or something if you're flying on on the brooms and it uh, it makes you feel like you're actually on campus. So it was was I like this. I like this. (laughs) This last one is just you standing next to. (laughs) Yeah, I looked at that and I was like, well, crap, I guess I can't ride on this. <laughs> Sorry. I can't perform magic. I guess that counts me out. Well, and what's funny is while we were in line, um, our friend Nicolette convinced me to take the Pottermore quiz. Oh, yeah, I've taken that a few times and I'm always disappointed by the answer, which is the same every time. It is. This, it, it, so it's the same every time for you, too, right? OK. Yep. <laughs> OK, so what answer do you get? I've done it three times and every time I've gotten slithered really yeah really it's so annoying to me because i don't i feel like i'm you know either a gryffindor or like maybe a hufflepuff i like hufflepuff a lot but i'm not a slytherin man but pottermore says i am i i actually took you for a hufflepuff yeah i feel like i am i i i actually kind of take you for a hufflepuff but it's a glitch in the system so what uh what house do you think i fell into i'm gonna guess either Gryffindor or Ravenclaw. See, and those are the two that I feel like I belong to. Yeah. Like Ravenclaws are super stu- studious and I have a 3.9 GPA attached to my bachelor's degree. So yeah. like I, wow. I totally, I totally thought that that's where I was going to end up. Don't tell me you're a Slytherin too. I, you, you were actually right on your first guess. I'm a, I'm a what? Sorry, you you skipped. Oh, I cut out. Ding, yeah. it. I'm a Gryffindor. <laughs> Gryffindor, wow. I'm, there a, you go. I'm actually wow. a Gryffindor. And well, I don't want to say this makes us mortal enemies or anything. <laughs> no. And, and what's, what's kind of funny is a lot of the times, as far as like podcast stylizing goes and stuff like that, you and I really tend to 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 get along with uh, with our discussions and, and yeah, the way that sure. we carry things. Um, I'm I'm we kind of curious. form our own house. I, I'm, dude. I'm so down. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of curious if, uh, if I can take the quiz online and get the same, the same yeah. answer. Uh, I answer okay, everything fine. pretty honestly. I'll just, I'll just join. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just join. Uh, no, 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 no. That's the okay. Uh, confirm name. Oh hey! Wow. Okay. Uh, apparently, Google has saved all of my personal information. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, I almost think you have to come up with like a new email and stuff. But here's my thing: I wonder if maybe they don't choose based on the questions. I wonder if that's just a big ruse. My theory is that they the reason it's the same every time is because they do it based on your birthday. And I don't know what the algorithm would be for that, but it's like only oh, a certain number of people will get it's... into this house. Yeah. You think you think it's almost like an astrology kind of thing? Yeah, like, and they don't tell you that up front. They think it's all based. They they make you think it's all based on these questions that you answer. You know, so like your 
you're you're an Aries, you're a Taurus, you're a Leo. Yeah, something like that. But you know, it's not aware to us. So I wonder if like I put in a different birthday, if I would get a different answer. But then it wouldn't be genuine. So I don't know. Interesting. Well, I just put in one of my old email addresses for the heck of it. Okay. Uh, let me see. It says, please check your email and verify your address. I know that we're doing this live, but I want to keep people on the edge of their seat as to what your favorite <laughs> piece is, because I know what it is and I'm thrilled by it. But I also kind of want to find out if I can, if I can, if I can get my, and get my house achieved right now. Did it fall into the spam section? And another no, it thing didn't fall that into the spam. Pottermore is doing now since the release of the Fantastic Beast movies is like the American schoolhouses, the Ilvermorny houses, and I thought those. Um, and I think I did a test. I forget which house I fell into, but so apparently the only way I can find out my is if I confirm the email. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a confirmation email. Uh-oh. So I'm going to resend it, I guess. Uh, in the meantime, in in the meantime, let me see. I'm going to try and find out what else I can do in the meantime. Let's uh, Let's talk social media for a second. Where can the folks at home find you and your creativity, Jake? Well, I do a lot of graphic design type things. I design a lot of logos for people. Uh, and you can find, I, oh, I'm also doing a comic right now. Today's installment, it's called The Narwaltons. And it's about some uh, narwhal-like creatures and their adventures. And uh, we're on episode five now. But you can follow that at, uh, at Jake W. Damon uh, on Instagram. And then you can follow me on Twitter at simply Jake Damon. I've seen those uh, those Narwhalton comics. <laughs> There's something. Aren't hey, uh, <laughs> you got really meta really quick, dude. dude. I like <laughs> it made it funny to me. Like I, I think I'm bad at writing jokes because I tried writing some jokes that would fit into a comic that were just like on their own jokes and like none of them were really working. And I'm like, maybe I'm just not a comedy writer. And as soon as started getting meta i was like okay like i wrote something of like that's pretty funny and then i put it into a comic and it got pretty good response you know and then i did another one i got some good response and i think my third one was the best response uh or maybe it was the second one i forget something got like five or six hundred likes on instagram but it was like i was like oh maybe i've got something here because i i just made it meta and i think that's just going to be the theme for this whole thing is they know that they're cartoon characters in a comic and it's about them kind of discovering where the heck they are why they're there and just some weird meta stuff happening like almost deadpool style uh but in a kind of a different way uh throughout throughout this comic and we'll see how long it goes i'm honestly surprised i even made it to episode five usually i quit things way before this so uh maybe (laughs) we've got something here we we very well may you can find ben on social media as i mentioned earlier at ben hart we and you can find me on social media at Zach underscore DFW. All right. I made it in, actually. I, I finally verified the email, and I am into the sorting hat section of my profile. And uh, we're off with the quiz questions. Let's see. Moon or stars? What do you usually pick, Jake? 
Uh, I would have to go with the stars. See, I'm going with stars too, actually. I feel like I'd rather travel to the stars than travel to the moon. Yeah, I feel like there's more out there. Some of those stars, you know, they're, they're surrounded by planets. And how are you going to find, art, you know, intelligent life without finding a star first? Very true. Very true. Next question has multiple options, a lot more options. Which of the following do you find most difficult to deal with? Hunger, cold, loneliness, boredom, or being ignored? Oh my goodness. This one's so easy for me. I'm I'm going to have to go with cold because cold is one of the, like all these other things I can deal with. I've dealt with before i've dealt with them you know in various easy ways but cold man like i feel like when it's cold out all i want to do is hop in a shower a hot shower and just stay there for like an hour and that's not always available so cold to me sucks i'd rather be way too hot than way too cold yeah this is where our paths are gonna divert friend okay Uh, i'm i'm picking loneliness for me yeah, yeah. I I know you're you're a married dude. You don't really have to worry about that as much anymore. Thankfully, the single life kind of blows, man. Yeah. Just just yeah, saying. I didn't realize how much it blew after I got married. Mm-hmm. Perspective, it's everything. Oh God, what the hell? There's like 20 options on this one. Uh, if you were attending <laughs> Hogwarts, which pet would you choose to take with you? Um, let me see what we've got. Tabby cat, mm-hmm. Siamese cat, ginger cat, black cat. We have anything besides cat, white cat. Ah, oh, here we go. A tawny owl, a screech owl, a brown owl, a snowy owl, a barn owl, a common toad, a natterjack toad. A dragon toad, a harlequin toad, or a three toed tree toad? <laughs> uh, geez. Any ideas, Jake? I, you know, and this isn't just because of Hedwig, but I'm, I'm partial to the snowy owl just because I think it's the coolest owl. Actually, same, dude. I'm going with the <laughs> snowy owl. Uh, a muggle confronts you and says that they are sure you are a witch or a wizard. Do you ask them what makes them think so? Sounds like a Qui-Gon Jinn kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 you're a Jedi Knight, aren't you? What makes you say that? Your next option is, I saw your wand. I <laughs> saw... <laughs> I'm almost <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but yeah, okay. I saw your wand. You say that with the right voice. Come on. I saw your wand. Only <laughs> wizards carry things like that. Sounds like the beginning to like Harry Potter porn. <laughs> okay. A muggle confronts you and says they are sure you're a witch or a wizard. You ask them what makes them think so. You agree and ask whether they'd like a free sample of a jinx. I don't even. Oh you, you agree, walk away, leaving them to wonder whether you are bluffing. Oh or man. you tell them that you are worried about their mental health and offer to call a doctor. Um, what would be funnier? I feel like the first option. 
I, I think the first option is really ambiguous and like keeps the conversation going more than I would be comfortable with. Okay. I think I'd either ask them if they want a free sample of a jinx or just be super mysterious and walk away. Yeah, just kind of like back into the shadows and laugh. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, they'd be like, "Are you a wizard?" And I'd be like, "Why, yes, I am." And then just walk away, <laughs> like giving them no chance for response. And then, I, <laughs> and then they're like, "Wait, was he telling the truth just now?" Like, I I would go all Dumbledore if they said are you a wizard? I would like look at a, a piece of cloth or something and I would set it on fire. And then I'd look at the, I don't know. Am I? And then back into the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with agree, walk away and leave them to wonder if you're bluffing. There you go. Uh, let me see. After you have died, what would you most like people to do when they hear your name? Miss you, but smile. Ask for more stories about your adventures. <laughs> Think with admiration of your achievements, or I don't care what people think of me after I'm dead. It's what they think of me while I'm alive that counts. Mm-hmm. That's a little too deep. It's pretty deep. Um, I'm gonna have to go with with remember me and smile because you know who knows what they're smiling about. I'm sure mm-hmm. ways impacted them while on this earth because i i feel like what you do with your life is very important because once you're dead you're dead and if nobody remembers you then like what what were you put on this earth for you know i mean what what effect did you have with your short amount of time to uh to make an impact on people and i feel like if, if you can make somebody smile even after you're gone that's that's an achievement yeah i was leaning towards that anyway but you make a very convincing case i am going with miss you but smile yeah which of the following would you most like to study? Ooh, this should be interesting. Centaurs, goblins, merpeople, ghosts, vampires, werewolves, or trolls? Oh, man. Trolls, I'm too scared to walk around because of Lord of the Rings. Because of, <laughs> that's pretty much it like because of lord of the <laughs> uh the, the ones in harry potter are kind of dopey looking like the one from the bathroom in the first one i'm like i don't buy them yeah but whatever um um i'm gonna i'm gonna have to say probably mer people not that i'm a huge fan of the design of the mer people from the movies but i it, i'm as a rule kind of a big fan of fish people in general like Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy series. Abe Sapien is just one of the coolest looking characters to me. Um, he's like a fish dude who was actually born. His name is Abe because he was born right around the time Abraham Lincoln was born and uh, or died or something like that around that time period. But, uh, you know, he survived for hundreds of years and uh, or I guess it would be like 160 or something like that. But uh, but Ever since Hellboy, I've just loved fish people, so I'm going to have to go with the mer people. Well, you know, I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was younger. There you go. I, I wanted to study sharks and uh, animal behaviors. So if there were actually mermen and women, I would probably want to look into that. Yeah. But, but I'm really torn because centaurs are such noble creatures that if I could learn about their lore and their history... I could write like an anthology of them or something. Like, what exactly had to happen for a half horse, half human to come? Out? Yeah, I don't know if I want to go that far back into their history. Like, uh, it could get a little weird. You're getting into some like human centipede. 
cheeseburger right there. It, it's it's supposed to be Adam and Eve, not Adam and Ed. <laughs> Mr. Ed. <laughs> I got that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh. you. Thank you very oh, much. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, but the same thing could be said about mer people. Like who yeah. uh who 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 slept with the fishes in the most literal sense, and uh, that had to happen. Do you know okay. what I just thought about? You okay, know, actually, Bo- actually, Bojack Horseman is technically like a reverse centaur. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I did not need to think about that. Okay. Here's <laughs> here here's here's a fun fact about fish that maybe you didn't need to know about, but um, there are some species of fish that reproduce without the physical act of reproduction. What's the fun in that? <laughs> uh, there is no fun. You just you just kind of spit your stuff out into the water, and then the two things find each other, and uh, and a zygote is formed. <laughs> like that the just female, sounds boring. The, the female releases her stuff into a certain area. The guy releases into a certain area, and the swimmers do the swimming in the actual water instead of in wow. the in in the bodies. So, in theory, if like say a male's stuff was released like that into the water and somehow came across like fish eggs. Yeah. Then maybe that's how mer people came about. That could be a little less disgusting. Maybe. It's just like some freaks freak uh freak of nature like happenstance thing that wasn't supposed to happen, but just because of the way science works, all of a sudden we have fish people. Yeah. Okay, the next question. Once every century the flutterby bush produces flowers that adapt their scent to attract the unwary. If it lured you, it would smell like what? A crackling log fire, the sea, fresh parchment, or home? This is a hard one because I love all of those smells. Crackling fire, the sea, um, parchment, or home? Hmm. I think for this one, I'm going to have to go with the sea because it's got like, again, back to the water thing. I just, I love the, um, but there's just, you know, when you're driving on the coast, say like North Carolina, I was in Myrtle beach pretty recently. And when you smell, you smell that like salt on the air and it's also warm. And it's like, I don't know. There's just something about that sea air that is so alluring. I'm going to have to go with the sea. I'm a total beach bum. I'm not yeah. I'm not going to lie. I would much rather spend a weekend at the beach than spend a weekend camping, which is yeah. what you would need a campfire for. I do like s'mores and roasting marshmallows and stuff like that. But mm. why can't you have a campfire in a sand pit at the beach? Those are some of my favorite fires. You could do that. They're they're totally awesome. My sister did it once and it was so much fun. But yeah. I'm with you. I think I'm going to go with the sea. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's a simple one. Black or white? well not to get racist but (laughs) no i i think black is a cool color on most things so i'm gonna have to go yep ditto i'm going with black white gets dirty too easily holy moly oh no what mother of god what happened what how what oh no what (laughs) wait did you get did you get Gryffindor again? Or did you get what did I, you get? I didn't. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, okay, so it's been two years since I've taken this quiz. Uh-huh. 
But you and I diverged on only one question. We okay. an- we answered everything else the same. Aside from that one question, these answers sort sort us into Hufflepuff. No way! Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh my gosh! I I'm happy because I've been wanting to be sorted, <laughs> but I also feel like it's it's a little bit not not right because I you know there's one question that's wrong, but that's creepy. Like okay, yeah, I know we diverged on on one question, but I think it was some of the questions like, "What do you want people to remember you for?" Like like miss you but smile. Yeah. Like that kind of thing just sounds innocent enough. Oh my gosh. But holy moly. I So oh, So we know it's not the birthday thing because it, you've I done mean, it before. It 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 can't be. It yeah, I don't I don't think it can be. Um oh. Wow. Okay, so now I've got a personalized Pottermore page because I'm officially sorted into Hufflepuff. <laughs> um <laughs> Can I be you? I just want to be Hufflepuff. What's wrong with that? Uh, uh. Okay, so here's a here's a brief description. Um, no, this is this is more like the this this is. Did you click on the more about my house thing? Yeah, because I thought it would be more interesting. But uh, most renowned members include Nymphador Tonks and Cedric Diggory. Mm-hmm. But the uh, Hufflepuff's house ghost, the Fat Friar, still resents the fact he was never made a cardinal, or that Hufflepuff has produced the fewest dark wizards of any house at Hogwarts. Well, that's commendable. You can also share your Hufflepuff pride with your friends. That's really kind of sad because when I took the Pottermore quiz back at Universal Studios, I ended up with Gryffindor, and I went to like the nearest gift shop and I got a whole bunch of Gryffindor stuff. Oh, now you got to stock up on Hufflepuff stuff. I don't know, man. I'm kind of torn. I, I, I almost liked it better when I was associated with Gryffindor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting well, about the least dark wizards coming out of Hufflepuff. I think it'd be- well, I mean, the most obviously come from Slytherin. Yeah. Yeah. Which apparently I'm a part of. Uh, I mean, with that one question variance, everything else came out Hufflepuff. Yeah. That's well, maybe I just need to take that quiz again under a different email or something like that. <laughs> I mean, if you're like me, you've got like 12 to choose from. <laughs> Dude, I at least have 12. <laughs> well, this has been fun talking Harry Potter for a bit because Hedwig's theme was your number four. Sorcerer's Stone theme was your number three. The the Star Wars main theme was your number two, but I think we finally need to get around to actually talking about your number one out of your top five John <laughs> Williams scores. Yeah, we got way sidetracked there. Like I had this moment, and I was gonna take it, and I was gonna run with it, and I ran in like the opposite direction of what we were supposed to do with this show. So I mean, that was a pretty fun rabbit trail. So I'm not complaining. Uh, um. <laughs> But your your number one John Williams score of all time, what would that be and why? Well, it's it's cheating a little bit because it's kind of two and tweet, and that might give it away right there because I don't know anything else that he's done that has sweet in the title, but I'm sure there is. But th- this is the one I think of all the time. And uh came out in 1993. I've cried to this soundtrack more than any other soundtrack ever. Uh, and I have a lot of them, people. I have so many soundtracks on my phone. But 
Uh, my number one is the Jurassic Park suite. And uh, this is a mixture of the Jurassic Park theme uh, with a little bit of a bridge that leads into the the uh, the island journey. What was it called? I- journey to the island? Journey to the island, yeah. Journey to the island, yeah. Uh, and it swells into that. And it's just one fantastic experience of, of music. Um, and it not only is the perfect theme to Jurassic Park and, and, and the island, uh, I kind of look at that as the theme for the island, the journey to the island. Um, but it just, there's something about the, the, uh, combination of notes that brings tears to my eyes. And it's, I, I haven't been able to figure out exactly, but it's just such an emotionally provoking piece of music. And this is a movie about dinosaurs. People, this is a movie about people running from a T-Rex or escaping velociraptors, but you know, and I know the movie's way, but why am I crying at music that goes to a dinosaur movie? I can't quite explain it except for that. It's John Williams and that he knows what he's doing. He knew, and he knows what he wants this music. And it's to be in total awe of this, this world that, you know, is, is, you know, supposedly millions of years, but is brought to, uh, to modern day. And, and just the majesty of the, the uh jurassic period and the prehistoric period and and how majestic these creatures are really um and i think that the 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 jurassic park suite realizes all of that in just such a perfect way so i i i find it his most powerful score to me um and his most uh emotionally provoking and that's why it sits at the top of my list. It evokes a lot of emotion, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a special treat for all you loyal listeners that gutted it out with us for the entirety of that rabbit trail, we're actually going to play that suite for you as our outro music, all 10 minutes of it in its fullest glory. So enjoy that in just a little bit. But before we get to that, we've got some other pieces of the show that we need to tend to one of them being the quote of the night and uh i don't think there's anything more fitting than one of the greatest filmmakers of all time giving tribute to one of the greatest composers of our time and so uh without further ado i'm going to transition us into the quote of the night where um george lucas gives a tribute to the great john williams at the 44th afi life achievement awards held on June 9th of 2016. Enjoy. Is there music in space? It's a question best answered by a story. Back in the 1940s, Alfred Hitchcock was making Lifeboat, and because the entire movie takes place on a small boat afloat in the ocean... Hitch asked, if these people are alone and adrift at sea, where is the music coming from? The composer responded, the same place you set your camera. (laughs) So, yes, if there's music in the middle of the ocean, there's music in the galaxies far, far away. Music is the magic dust of movies. (laughs) 
I'm happy and proud to be standing here years after I first heard the score to celebrate the man who wrote it. You see, Star Wars was meant to be a simple hero's journey, a fantasy for young people. And then John wrote the music, and he raised it to a level of art, popular art that would stand the test of time. What I'm trying to say is, you made my life so easy. <laughs> I had so many ideas for other movies, but I never got to them because you ensured that Star Wars would endure forever. <laughs> and then you did it again with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Steve and I sat on the beach to talk about the story for Indy. And instantly, we both said at the same time, John has to write the music. Steve said, great, that's the most important part. Let's go have lunch and we can write the story later. <laughs> there is nobody in our world or any other that is more talented, more generous, more kind than you, John. Congratulations and thank you. I love that line that he puts in there about how music is the magic dust of movies. Yeah. Like it's, he, it's the thing that lifts it off the ground. He makes it come alive. He yep. makes it better than it was uh, going into it. And it, it's just especially, especially true with John Williams and his work. I mean, yeah. I absolutely, man. Man, I it it was so funny how he was he he was he was mentioning other movies. I can't help but wonder what other movies George Lucas might have tried to come up with if Star Wars had only had a mediocre film score. Mhm. Yeah. Like if if Williams's work hadn't ensured that people wanted to listen to and view other Star Wars movies what other projects would he have come up with? What other things would he have done? I don't know, man, because that's so much talent. And you can tell you such a... I'm sure it would have come out in other ways for sure. Much different path, maybe. But uh, I think we still would have would have heard about him. Somebody else would have picked him up, you know, for a project. And I think he... It's very possible he could still be as famous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that Star Wars was like, you know, the only thing that... that identified his career it's probably nah. what he's it's probably what he's most famous for what he's most known for but it's definitely not his only work or his not even his most important work rather like there's there's a lot about him there's a lot to the man that is john williams and uh we are we are very honored that we have the opportunity now over 200 episodes after we originally came up with this idea that we get to pay tribute to the man but you may notice that there's one thing missing i haven't given my top five Ooh. And and Ben's not even on the show. He, he had he had to duck out early. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this top five and we're actually going to do a two-parter. We're going to have a second episode dedicated to our top five John Williams pieces. And we're going to do it in a really special way. There was an old show, Jake, I don't know if you remember this or not. You probably do, because you, you had a pretty heavy influence on it. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a little offshoot program that I ran called Sci-Fi Symphony. Yes. 
my vision for next week is to blend IPC with Sci-Fi Symphony for a week. Mm, that would be interesting. We're going to talk about some of our favorite John Williams pieces, and then we're actually going to play some of them too. I and love that idea. You're going to get to hear us talk about it and then introduce it to you with the ideas and perspectives that we've presented from it. And then you'll get to listen to them live right here on channel 1138.com. That is a brilliant idea, man. So we're going to, we're going to be in the works for that and setting up for what is probably going to be one of the biggest projects and biggest undertakings that we've had for this program in its history, because, uh, Usually we just get on and we uh, we shoot the breeze and then we're done and we stitch it together a little bit and put it up. Um, but this one's going to have a bit more music involved. It's going to have a bit more construction and creativity involved. And uh, it's going to have some, some more influences. Jake, I know you could only join us this week, but not next week. Uh, the interesting thing is we had another guest in mind who could not make it this week, but is available next week. Oh, it works out. <laughs> so... It all works out. We're going to turn this into a two-parter. We're going to have a total of four voices on the air. And next week, Ben and I and our guest are going to be presenting our top five John Williams pieces and playing them for you right here on the IPC podcast. So you're definitely want to stick around for that. And hopefully by then, I'll also have our aggregated results of everybody's favorite IPC um, submissions. You know, find out what you told us here on the show, and I can come up with your top five of the top fives, essentially. And we'll have a lot of fun. So be sure to listen to that on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and StarWarsUnderworld.com. Those are your best places that you can find access to that episode and to any previous episodes. And a reminder to go find us on IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Twitter poll is going to close at the end of this episode. And we actually got another vote for Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Hmm. So that is currently in the lead with 42% of the votes. I think it's literally ahead by just one vote. So oh, man. That, that may be the winner for us. We'll find out. But before we close the night, we have one last segment we need to get to. Jake, I'm sure you're familiar with it. You're familiar with this program. Yeah, I've been here a couple times for been around the block, but this yeah. one's going to be this one's going to be interesting. This is a very interesting challenge that Ben presented us with in the show notes before he uh, had to slip away. And we may actually repeat this barbecue watch next week so we can get the opinions of our guest hosts for next episode. We will see. But ladies and gentlemen, it is time to get out your hashtags. And if you're listening live, put them in the chat. If you're not, Put them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and everything else in between that might carry a hashtag. Because it's time for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Watch. (laughs) All right. So the question that Ben posed to us, and it's a good question. It really, really is. It's a solid, solid choice because 
I am actually not sure how to answer this question. Hmm. The question that he posed to us is, what is the best music for barbecue? Oh. Now, is this for like an outdoor barbecue cookout? Is this the best music to play at a barbecue restaurant? Is this the best music to listen to while eating barbecue? There's a lot of different ways that we can kind of go with this. Which direction do you want to take it, Jake? Um, yeah, I feel like I want to take this the direction of like just going to a, a, a well-established like in the community. A lot of people love it. A lot of people go there. Like a, just a, a nice barbecue restaurant that is is renowned in the area. Just going to eat with with family like after church or something. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So if it were that setting, what um, what would you prefer to listen to if you were in that setting, in that environment at that time? So I feel like, and this isn't necessarily my favorite kind of music, but I think it fits it really well. And the first thing that comes to mind is like in the background, like maybe playing on the speakers is some sort of like country uh, swing dance style music you know, kind of upbeat and like, like, uh, something you could get up and dance to if you wanted, but it just kind of sets you in that like Western mood. I don't know. It's just, it screams barbecue to me. I don't exactly know why, but you know, maybe it's just something people are eating at a swing dancing, uh, uh, venue or something, but it just seems to fit it really well to me. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Even though I live in Texas, I'm not a fan of country music. Neither am I. <laughs> I'm really not a fan of country music. I actually tried to turn on a country music station on my way home from work the other day just to try it. And it's I didn't tough. like it. I didn't like it. And maybe <laughs> maybe the bands I was listening to at the time were not that great. But I mean, Luke Bryan, everybody's, everybody that listens to country music apparently loves Luke Bryan. And uh, and then there's there was this group called Florida Georgia Line. Yeah. And I think they're pretty popular too. But their okay. music didn't. Their music sounded more like acoustic pop. <laughs> yeah, there you like, go. Like, like I'm sorry, that, that didn't that didn't sound like country music to me. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that does sound like country music, I don't call it country. I call it hillbilly blues. There you go, hillbilly blues. Hillbilly blues. I, hillbilly blues. I like that. Um, and I don't know if that's the music I want to be listening to while I'm having my food. Cause yeah. Bar- like barbecue is a happy experience for me. It's something that I love. And I don't know if I want to listen to like sad, sappy string music while I'm having a happy food. Yeah. So I, I don't really know because obviously I'm not talking about like EDM or K-pop or something like that. Like that's obviously not the choice, mm-hmm. but I don't want to go with the trope either. So what I'm going to go with is, is I'm going to go with something called, um, so, something that that uh, my job uh, introduced me to. They they had a lot of theme days at this job over the summer, and one of the one of the things that they had. Let me see if I can find it. Um, it was called Yacht Rock. Yacht yep. Rock. Have you ever heard of Yacht Rock? 
Yacht as in like the boat yacht? Yes, yes. Okay, I've never yacht, heard of this. Yacht rock is a genre that is like smooth oldies rock. Okay, okay. It's 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 a, it's essentially smooth oldies rock. And so um, I found yeah, this Yeah, it says article. it like originates in the 70s. Yeah, so the, this I found an article that says the 17 greatest yacht rock songs of all time. And it's got groups like Hall and Oates, Foreigner, The Eagles, Toto, The Doobie Brothers, okay, Boz Skaggs, Steely Dan, Don Henley, Chicago, Kenny Loggins, and Michael Jackson. There you go. Michael so, Jackson, huh? Interesting. Yeah, they they kind of throw in one of one of his pieces that's not quite as pop as some of his other stuff yeah. but um but when we had yacht rock day at my job this summer it was <laughs> basically the music that i usually listen to anyways okay but they were very intentional with their songs so it was like the doobie brothers um no doby gray i think is the one that sings drift away mm-hmm. have you ever heard that song um uh, probably i would have to listen to it to be sure I think I know what you're talking. About. Uh, I think um, Uncle Cracker does a does a cover of it. Okay. Day after day, I'm more confused. Yet I look for the light in the pouring rain. Okay. Okay. And it's it's very slow. It's very smooth. It's very upbeat, and it's got a happy tone, a happy message to it. Yeah. I think if I had to pick something that I would want to listen to as like to accompany my barbecue i wouldn't want something that would give me indigestion um, <laughs> and and I, oh. I would want i would i would want something that triggers you know a smile happy memories maybe the guardians of the galaxy playlist something mm-hmm. like that um because actually a lot of those songs kind of are very similar to yacht rock like uh, jane the americans come a little bit closer yeah, I think I think okay. I would I think I would classify that as maybe yacht rock and maybe even electric light orchestras. Mr. Blue Sky. I bet I, I bet I would classify that as yacht rock as well. So that song is one is the song we uh, uh, Sharon and I walked out of our room to is Mr. Blue Sky. Wow, it was pretty great. Wow, dude, I'm I'm really jealous and I'm also really mad that I'll be there. <laughs> Hey, you're free to take it too. It's, it's not I, my song. I no, it's totally your song now. Like <laughs> you, you hear that? You watch Guardians two, and you just like look at it, and you're like, "That was for yeah, you." Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's, it's it's our song. I can look at it. We actually just talked. Sharon, do we have a song? And she was like, "Yeah, I don't know, but that's probably got to be it." <laughs> yeah, I I. I just officially declared that your song. Although, <laughs> um, it's also my shower song, so please don't take a <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know how comfortable I am with <laughs> knowing that. I'm, like, now I have to... You have to change it know now. That every time I, I'm going to have mixed feelings. Every time I watch Guardians 2, I'm like, yeah, this is our wedding song. It's also Zach's shower <laughs> song, so... <laughs> kind of evens out the experience for me. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, oh, Ben's in the chat now. <laughs> he apparently made it home and he sent us a Facebook message. Let me say Mr. Blue Sky got naked. 
<laughs> okay. Well, it's after one o'clock my time, and it's after two o'clock your time. I think it's officially time <laughs> to call it a night. Um, Jake, I do not have the words to properly thank you for all of the joy and the fun that we have had on this episode tonight. Thank you for taking time out of your night to hang out with me and with Ben and uh, to talk about your top five John Williams musical experiences. Dude, absolutely. It's been fun tonight. I think tonight was just what I needed after a a little bit of a tough week. So thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Well, it's uh, it's always fun having you on and hopefully we'll be able to have you on again in the not too distant future. I'm officially calling it Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus is the winner. Nice. But since it's almost 1.30 in the morning, I think I might do my live tweet session tomorrow. Okay. Yep. I I'm I'm recording I an ep- I'm I'm recording an episode of RIPC tomorrow night. And I think it's fitting that after Ben stop chatting and distracting me, damn it. <laughs> 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 I need to stop looking at the messages he's sending me. It's, now what? now now he's now he's implying that I'm going to watch a a movie about two aquatic creatures two giant aquatic creatures in the shower he's while like, singing mr boy sky <laughs> probably because that's my happy song i don't i don't know <laughs> i really don't know this has gone way off the off the off the rails so uh, we need we need to bring in dj crazy train is who we need so uh so we yeah. can play all aboard! <laughs> <laughs> yeah i might as well do that myself um r.i.pc is happening on September the 15th. Soon as I finish that, look for a live tweet session of Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus on IPC podcast on Twitter. If by some strange happenstance the the votes are open for 24 hours. If somehow it goes viral and somebody votes for something else, then <laughs> I will defer to that, but I'm leaning towards Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus tomorrow. Just so y'all yep. know. But uh be on the lookout for a new episode of RIPC. It's a patron-exclusive program, so go find us at patron.podbean.com slash podcast to subscribe and become a part of that fun. And be on the lookout for part two of our top five John Williams discussions as we uh, discuss our top five John Williams pieces, Ben and myself, and our special guest, and uh, actually play some of those for you right here on the show. But as a tribute and a thank you to our patron, Jake Damon, and as a thank you to all of you loyal listeners, we will be playing the Jurassic Park suite in its entirety at the conclusion of this program. But I think I'm going to call it. I think I'm officially going to put this one to bed, and then I'm going to put myself to bed immediately after. Episode 206 is now officially in the books. For Ben Hart and Jake Damon, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for gutting this one out with us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. We hope that you'll join us next week. But until then, we just want to leave you with this thought. The future has many paths. Choose wisely. And we hope that you choose to join us next time here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone.